to another episode of Splice Together. together. <laughs> I'm Michelle. Will you still be working at the yarn barn? Because I hear that's a really great place to raise children. And I'm Harper. I'm going to avenge you, father! I'm going to save you, mother! I'm going to kill you, Fiona! So, it's April, and we're doing our movie roundup! Ah! Actually, it's, Howard Dean. it's May. Oh. It's going to be it's May. It's going to be May. <laughs> Um, but we're talking about april yeah so if you haven't listened to our roundups before (laughs) we basically pick and choose movies we liked from the or didn't like from the last month and talk talk about them talking movies it's what we do it's who we are it's our whole life (laughs) (laughs) more life um and then for this episode we are bringing back trailer talk. We really need a, uh, a an <laughs> intro, like some banjos, like yeah. <laughs> trailer talk. It, we're it weren't, trailer talk. It, it weren't we, no movie. It, it were a trailer. <laughs> Perfect. Um, where we discuss, uh, well, we've been going back to the movies more. And so there are more trailers that we've been watching. And we're going to discuss some of the good, some of the bad, some of the weird some of the Tom Hanks accents <laughs> and some of the other awful franchises out there. So we got a big list of trailer talks. Uh, so I guess we'll jump straight in to our movie roundup. So first movie we watched is an oldie. It's over it 22 years old. Um, that is Cherry Falls, which came out in the year 2000 of our Y2K Lord and directed by Jeffrey Wright. Someone else said Jeffrey Wright. Like, uh, nothing. That's yeah, nothing what. worth talking about, that's for sure. <laughs> so, I feel like I've heard of Romper Stomper, but otherwise. Yeah. No uh, so Cherry Falls, ha- lose your innocence or lose your life. Look at Jeffrey Wright's picture on Letterboxd. I am it's worth looking at. Jeffrey. Hmm. He's wearing a shirt that has a bear <laughs> with a mustache and, and a, a pipe. pipe. Anyways, Weird. go on. Uh, so Cherry Falls came out in 2000. It stars Brittany Murphy... Michael Bean, Jay Moore, and Jesse Bradford. So it's about a quiet little town until the night that a serial killer begins preying on its youth. After a third teen is found slain, the killer's modus operandi emerges. Modus operandi. <laughs> emerges. The victims were all virgins. <laughs> Sheriff Markin is concerned for the safety of the teens in general, and in particular, his own daughter, Jody, who is still a virgin. This came out in 2000 and not the 70s. <laughs> yeah, this movie has like a weird history. And it's I not think, Italian. <laughs> because it was, it kind of got buried because it was supposed to come out right after Columbine. And they were like, this feels inappropriate to release right now. 
And so they kind of like trashed all the marketing for it and the movie just like because kids at high school are dying, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think it was going to come out like right after or something. And so imagine kind of, if we had to cancel movies now because of shootings. Yeah, boy, nothing would ever come out. Never go back. Um, uh, so yeah, I had heard. I had heard this on a on Colors of the Dark podcast. They brought this up on a um, post Scream slashers episode. And I just, it was one I had never heard of and it sounded really interesting. It's like, oh, I think the idea of like the killer who only kills virgins is like kind of a clever, like, you know, reversal of the usual slasher thing. Yeah. Um, it just sounded kind of fun and interesting. And so I had, we, so, and it was going to leave Shutter, So we were like, all right, let's watch it. Like, right. It was like the day before it was going to leave Shutter. So we're like, oh, let's check it out. We've never seen it. Um, I thought it was pretty disappointing. I agree. I mean, I didn't have like super high hopes, but I was interested because I had heard good things and I thought it was tonally just kind of a mess. And it made that makes sense because I didn't realize until after we watched it, I read that um, the script was written as a comedy. And, that's odd. Uh, not like a straight comedy, <laughs> but like a horror, I mean, like Scream, I guess like a yeah. horror comedy. And um, that the director was like, oh, I don't want to, I want to make this way more like dramatic and serious. And so it is like, really over the top serious in a lot of cases. And there's stuff that like seems like it should be funny and it feels out of place and seems there's stuff that seems way too serious when it ought to be lighter. Like the yeah. movie tonally never feels quite right. Yeah. Um, and I don't, there's just a lot of weird, like editing and script choices too. Like, you know, I remember <laughs> how like very early the 2000s. mom, like the all the scenes of the mom in the beginning are so weird that I honestly, yeah. I was like, is there going to be a twist where like her mom's dead and she's <laughs> talking know. to a ghost the whole time? Like it's so weird. Her mom kind of gives off weird vibes she and does. it's like, I don't know where this is going and it never goes anywhere. Yeah, it kind of doesn't. It's pretty like, weird. Uh, I don't know. Like she's kind of maybe a alcoholic, but that has nothing to do with anything. And she might be like sleeping around with other people, but that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. It's well, yeah. And like the mom and the dad were like almost never in any scenes together. Yeah. So I was like, is she alive? <laughs> like, it's it was like, like a sixth sense. What was that? What was that like Christmas ghost movie that came out like a few years ago that everybody saw the trailer and was like, he's definitely a ghost. Oh yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, remember what like it was Romantic now. comedy yeah. one. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's pretty disappointing. And the ending is just kind of ridiculous. I, I, I won't totally give it away, but... Um, I don't know who's going to actually watch this, though. Yeah. Because we're not giving it a thumbs up. No. So. Yeah, I didn't really like this. So I don't know. I don't have a whole lot else to say about it. What about you? Uh, I mean, the editing is very early 2000, makes it cheesy. There was like one line where I like... Like <laughs> when Michael okay. Bean gives has the talk with Brittany Murphy. Yeah, that scene's kind of good. Yeah, it's like, can you not be a virgin? Yeah. <laughs> like basically, <laughs> and she's like, Dad. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I also hate the poster for this movie because like, why wouldn't they fix her hair? It's like giving her a mustache. It is bad. It's poster. a bad poster. Um. Also, I was trying to think. So there is a weird twist and I don't know, I don't think it's a good twist. It feels kind of like, I guess, body double, right? A little body double, a little like, um, little almost like My Bloody Valentine with like the whole thing that happened in the past. Yeah. But not in a good way, really. Yeah. Because that's a great backstory. This one's not. So this one also, I mean, the only, the other thing you could say positively about this is it is interesting in how it like totally changes like 
the characters who you think are supposed to be like the heroic characters turn out to be like not really good people. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Just a lot of most of what this movie does didn't really work for me. Nope. Well, I gave it two and a half. I did too. And it's not streaming. Was it streaming? I think they took it, it was, off because we not didn't anymore. pay for it. Was on, no, yeah. it was on Shutter, but yeah, we watched it like right before they took it off. All right, Cherry Falls, two and a half. Don't watch. Yeah, not recommended. <laughs> um. Okay. So next up, we well, I watched a new movie called Deep Water, which came out twenty twenty two, directed by Adrian Lin. The love story is never the whole story. But isn't it? <laughs> so Vic and Melinda Van Allen are a couple in the small town of Little Wesley. Their loveless marriage is held together only by a precarious arrangement whereby in order to avoid the messiness of divorce, Melinda is allowed to take any number of lovers as long as she does not desert her family. This stars Ben Affleck, Anna DeArmas, Tracy Lefts, Lil Rail, Howery, and Dash Mahook. Um, all sound like made up names. I think they are. <laughs> oh, and what's his name? Is it Finn? No. Well, Finn Whitrock has been in stuff, but I was trying to find the guy. It doesn't matter. I can't help you there. I yeah. haven't seen it. Uh, so I only watched this because it was new and it was free on Hulu, I think. Well, and the person who directed it has done some good stuff in the past, right? Is so Adrian Lynn did Jacob's Ladder, Fatal Attraction. Yeah, those are good movies. Flashdance, I've never seen. Mm. <laughs> um, this was supposed to be his return to form of the like erotic thriller, right? It's an erotic boar fest. <laughs> Burn. <laughs> um, Nobody wants that. No, and it, it's a slog to get through. And like I'm watching it and I was just kept thinking like, do these people really just have like all day 24 hour parties at each other's houses and like, like never work and like do anything. And like Ben Affleck is so like a paper cardboard cutout of himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's like no emotion. He's always just like staring at Anna Darmus the whole time and like, well, she has a new boyfriend. You remember what he, can I do? You remember when he <laughs> threw out that cardboard cutout of whoever? Yeah. In real life? Yeah. It was her. Oh, it was her? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the rule is he needs to stop making movies with people he's dating because they're always god awful. Um, (laughs) Maybe we should do an episode on that. We'll we'll watch um, Couples. Yeah. Is it Gia? Is that the one with Jennifer Lopez? Yeah. Or Gila? Gila? Gia? Something. (laughs) Gigi? (laughs) I don't know. Um, but anyway, and it becomes like a murder mystery, except it's not really a mystery. We know exactly what's happening the whole time. And then Ben Affleck has this weird obsession with snails, like they're his pets. And he has this whole long speech about how, like, if you don't properly starve the snails and dry them out before you eat them, then it's going to, it could poison and kill you. And in a murder mystery, no one gets poisoned by snails. Like, Uh, why would you not have this? It seems like they cut something out. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's only like two hours, but it felt like a four hour yeah. film and Anna Armas is not doing anything in this except being like, I don't know, the most annoying wife ever. Bummer. 
And it's just like, why are they not getting divorced? I don't understand why they're not getting divorced. It doesn't make any sense. This is like a movie that should have been made in like the 50s, I guess, mm. maybe. But I don't know. It's not good. Well, before you give your rating, I want to know how many Duncans do you, does it get? None, but there's this intense scene where Ben Affleck no, mountain donuts. I know, <laughs> but there's a, a scene where Ben Affleck like is oh. mountain biking, racing a car while mountain biking. Mm. It's like I don't think this works. <laughs> I also have another question. Yeah, if it's an erotic thriller, how much Affleck Wang do you get? I don't think you get any because the whole point is that he's not, not sleeping even, with his wife. Not even a hint <laughs> like in Gone Girl. You get Anna de Armas <laughs> nipples hmm. in like half a scene and that's about it. <laughs> Just the nipples? <laughs> I don't that's like your unusual. questioning. You get the boobs too. Okay. But like, it's not like a I'm side boob. It's that just works. like okay. nipples. Okay, <laughs> you might see Ben Affleck's butt, but it's I don't been, know. Been there, seen that. It's just all weird. And he's like, they have a daughter together and she's like so mean to their daughter. And I'm just like, why are you still married to her? It's like, and why is she married to him? Yeah, isn't she also like half his age? I feel like she could be his daughter. She probably could be. In real life. She's our age. I always thought she was like 24 or something. Like from Knives Out anyways. She was born in 88. Wow. So how old is Ben Affleck? He's he's got to be like 16 40. years older, so he could be her dad. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, creepy. Anyway, don't watch it. Deep Water sucks. Two stars. Two Dunkin' Donuts. Two Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> um. So our next movie is a newer one that came out recently, and that is Apollo Ten and a Half: A Space Age Childhood, directed by Richard Linklater. Oh, it oh, is oh. <laughs> also streaming on Netflix. A man narrates stories of his life as a ten-year-old boy in 1969 Houston, weaving tales of nostalgia with a fantastical account of a journey to the moon. This is also. Um, Linklater's signature animated style, like Waking Life and Scanner Darkly. Mm-hmm. What is it? Like rotoscope? Yeah, rotoscoping. Um, so the narrator is Jack Black. You also have voices by Milo Coy, Zachary Levy, Glenn Powell, Josh Wiggins, Lee Addy, Bill Wise, and some other people. I think those are the main. Let's go from like top to bottom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, it was, um, I mean, I'm all about the space age stuff. So this was fun watching someone's like childhood memories and like their imagination gone wild. Like, yeah, I'm going to space. <laughs> yeah, this is super fun. Um, and uh, oh, yeah, I want to say before I forget that. I keep forgetting that Jack Black did the voice of the narrator, and that's kind of super impressive because yeah. it doesn't really sound like him. There are only really like good... certain times where I'm like, is it Jack Black? He did a really good like Texas accent. It feels very yeah. natural, and it's very compelling. It's a great narrator. Well, he doesn't does do his usual narrating. like scream metal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, whatever Jack Black does. Um, yeah, I like the first half of this movie I was like a perfect five-star movie for me. Yeah. Um, like it's super charming. There's a lot of nostalgic personality and a lot of like kid wonder and just funny, funny looks back at like the oddities of suburban life in Texas in that time period in the late sixties. Um, once they get to Apollo 11, 
and the movie kind of does this weird parallel narrative thing where like, so the idea is like they, the idea is NASA says they accidentally built the lunar lander too small. So they need to send a kid up to test it first. So at least either in his imagination or for real, they sent him, the kid up to the moon as a test run. And then right after that did Apollo 11. So when they get to the point where he's like ready to go to the moon, they like skip ahead to Apollo 11. And then as the Apollo 11 stuff is happening, they're cutting back and forth between like his, the kid's trip to the moon and like how he's like, Oh, I did this first really. And it's kind of, honestly, it's a little confusing at it first because it's so weird because you think the movie's building up to this, his go, him going to the moon and then it cuts oh, uh, forward ahead of that. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of wonky and, and a little weird. It um, does jump around a lot too throughout the narration because like the beginning, it's like, well, let's go back. Yeah. Well, honestly, the best parts are the parts where it's just talking about like living in Houston yeah. where everybody's dad works for NASA. Yeah. I feel like, like this would have worked without having the kid go to the moon. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like funny because that's funny that's like, without that. That's like the concept of the movie. And that's probably the least interesting yeah. thing in the movie for sure. I agree. Um, I mean, the last like very end very last scene of the movie kind of glues that like weird parallel narrative together a little better where you're like, Oh, I kind of see what he was trying to do yeah. here. But, um, it does still, it's still kind of weird for that, mm-hmm. for that last like 40 minutes or 35 or 40 minutes or whatever. But, um, I still thought it was a total joy to watch. And it's sad to me that like, we watched this like two days after it came out on Netflix and it was hard to find on Netflix already. Yeah, like, I don't know this why This is a new Richard Linklater movie, for God's sakes. <laughs> the, the dude, you know, he's been nominated a gazillion times. Yeah. I know, it's yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. Kind of buried, and um, I thought, uh, I I'd assume it captures life in Houston in the 60s pretty accurately. I mean, some of the stuff that happens in this movie is definitely stuff my parents have described living yeah. in suburban Atlanta. <laughs> so, you know. And then like how all the parents are like, uh, everyone's a part of it, like sending the shuttle up and stuff. And then also I really like the parents in general, just being like super, uh, the dad being super cheap about everything Uh and like them fighting constantly for the gas in the, in the, in the, in the the pipe, you got to lift up that, shake that gas out. And the mom is there like, is that a hippie? And she's like, yeah, that's a hippie. And then also like the sibling relationship that they have, like fighting over TV remotes and Mm -hmm. one daughter wants to constantly listen to the Archie song over and over and over again. Yeah. He was like, (laughs) I don't really understand how a comic book character had a band. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the space age stuff I liked. Yeah. I would love to watch this again. Um, yeah, I think watching it with your dad would be fun. I agree. I think this is, I, I, I think it's, it's really sad to me that this movie is probably not going to get a ton of attention because it's either thought of as a kid's movie or because Netflix is not really promoting it at all. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I thought this was really good. Like I, I suspect this is going to be in my top 10 of the year. Yeah. Um, I gave it three and a half, but that's a high three and a half. Okay. It could maybe be a four. I gave it four stars but yeah i think the problem was the the confusing the part structure. at the end yeah um and it is still streaming on netflix forever it will be until there netflix dies the end of time. <laughs> yeah until which could be by our next podcast yeah <laughs> the way things have been going lately all right so next we have three movies from the same horror franchise 
split off from another franchise. Yeah, it's a side <laughs> yeah. franchise of a main franchise. So we're gonna we group them all together. So we're gonna talk about Annabelle, Annabelle creation, and Annabelle comes home. Cannot which, believe we're doing this. Yeah, so here we are. And these are all from the Conjuring universe. Um, and we started this journey because we really heard that the third Annabelle, Annabelle Comes Home, was the best one and worth watching. Yeah. So we figured we'd have to watch the first two to get to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and luckily, HBO had them all for free, finally. So we dove in. Yeah. So first movie, Annabelle, came out in 2014, directed by John R. Leonetti. Before The Conjuring, there was Annabelle. <laughs> the tagline <laughs> not really though right is it i don't know <laughs> i guess probably uh john Ford. it was probably like she's all dolled up <laughs> that would have been better <laughs> uh john- here's dolly <laughs> uh man this is a long long Thing. John Formas found the perfect gift for his expectant wife Mia, a beautiful rare vintage doll in a pure white wedding dress but Mia's delight with Annabelle doesn't last long. On one horrific night their home is invaded by members of a satanic cult who violently attack the couple spilled blood and terror are not all they leave behind. The cultists have conjured an entity so malevolent that nothing they did will compare to the sinister conduit to the to the dam that is now Annabelle. <laughs> It's very long, confusing. Yeah. So, <clears throat> suburban housewife is married to a soon-to-be doctor. She, for some reason, loves vintage dolls. Yeah, that's and never And really... wants to collect them. It's not creepy at all. Um, and then their neighbors get murdered, and the murderers come over to her house and try to kill her. And then the spirit of one of them goes into the doll, Annabelle, who is also a demon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's where we're getting into what's yeah. really confusing. So, yeah, and she's pregnant, so it's kind of got, like, Rosemary's Baby vibes because they, like, moved to a Rosemary's Baby apartment complex, too. <laughs> oh, no way. I did not realize that the main woman from this is is malignant. Yeah. I didn't realize it made that connection. Yeah, all. so this stars Annabelle Wallace, Ward Horton, Tony Amidala... Alfre Woodard, Eric Landon, and Carrie O'Malley. Hmm. So overall, I thought it was kind of typical, a little boring, and not shot as well as the Conjuring movies. So it definitely felt like it had a smaller budget, and it was very contained to just, like, these two people. So also, the whole setup is a little confusing to start off with because it's like, it even gets more confusing with the second movie after this because it kind of seems like they're trying to change the rules. Absolutely. Um, I think even in this movie, they don't really understand what yeah. the rules are yet. Because it's, it's like, is the doll possessed or is there a spirit that possesses the doll? Like, which one is it? Like, is the doll always evil right. is or the not? Doll evil? <laughs> is the doll what drew evil there? Is the doll killing people? Is the... <laughs> Uh, when when a crazy hippie lady dies and her blood falls into the doll's eyeball, yeah. is that does she possess the doll? Like it's super unclear. Or does and it the, have a bloodlust? Yeah, the <laughs> rules are not at all clear. Yeah. It's very confusing. Um, yeah, this to me is for the most part is very much like typifies the kind of horror movies that were coming out from like. 2005 till yeah. pretty recent. I mean, still a little bit, but not, they're not quite as frequent. What's now. that like Simpsons quote 
with uh, making fun of Stephen King. Like, that's a doll. And it's and evil. And taxi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's family guy. Oh. Unfortunately. Oh well. But still, funny joke. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the stuff that kind of started with like sinister and insidious and. Mm-hmm. You know, these kind those of are more enjoyable. These than kind of, this, yeah, though. I mean, those are they're I mean, a lot of them are fine, but they're all just like super similar. They rely on the same formula um, and they're just kind of boring. Um, yeah. But what's frustrating about this one in particular is because I think the intro is actually really good. Like the first like five or ten minutes are great. Um, there's that like when the actual attack happens at the neighbors, there's like that long shot where they yeah. go to the neighbors and come back and she finds and it's like they had mentioned like, Oh, they're don't talk about their daughter. Like she ran off yeah. to join some hippie commune or something. And then they discovered like, it's like the Manson cult, basically like the daughter and her boyfriend came back and were like murdering their parents. And so like that opening sequence is really kind of cool. And it's a clever idea. I thought, um, but then, yeah, all the stuff after that with Annabelle is like just super kind of cliche and boring. And then, the only, the worst, the only thing, what I wrote in my review that this is the yucky cherry on top is that the only black character in the movie is really weird and suspicious the whole yeah. time. And then ultimately, I mean, this is a major spoiler, I guess, but who cares? Ultimately sacrifices herself for the white family, <laughs> like jumps out of the window. It doesn't make sense. Like she is so weird through the whole movie. I'm like, oh, she's in the cult. Yeah. Like, I that's thought for what's sure. Like, oh, this woman's totally evil, right? Like yeah. she's definitely in on it or she wants the doll or something. And yeah, then just... she's like, I can serve this purpose and give them my soul. It's like, why? Boy, yeah, <laughs> like, that's you don't owe this anything yeah it's really that whole thing is really weird so this one i mean as as we're gonna see i think the annabelle movies gradually improve because this is easily the worst one there is this one's not worth watching in my opinion no i agree with you though that the opening was solid and then there was one thing in the movie later on that i was like oh they're going here and but then they immediately take it back is when they the wife grabs the doll and is beating it to death, like on the crib and then throws it across the room. Oh, yeah. And you think it, it swaps and it's like, it's her baby. Like she just killed her baby, yeah. but then they fake out and it's like, Nope, just kidding. It was the doll. Yeah. That would have been a, and I was like, Oh my God, like this dark. just got super dark. Yeah. Is it this one also that did the thing from shock where it's like yeah. the little kid running up and then it turns into like an adult. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Cause it's like in the apartment Which, hallway. Cool effect, but now has been done a million times and still has never been done as effectively as the original no. one in like early eighties, whenever shot came out, that movie yeah. is terrible, but that one effect is so good. Um, and then, so yeah, uh, this one is pretty boring. I give it two stars. Me too. So we'll move on to the second one, which is Annabelle creation. So this movie came out in 2017. So three years later and is directed by David F. Sandberg um tagline you don't know the real story it's like because you all didn't know the real story when you wrote it clearly they did not (laughs) so several years after the tragic death of their little girl a doll maker and his wife welcome a nun and several girls from spoiler a shuttered orphanage into their home soon becoming the target of the doll maker's possessed creation annabelle so let's get even more confused now this movie takes place before the first one 
It's supposed to be like the origin of but also, where Annabelle came from. Yeah, but also ties in with the first movie and the first Conjuring, yeah. sort of, in a kind of confusing sort of way. <laughs> yeah, they have this, the whole nun thing is attached to this somehow. Um, oh, right. They have that post credit <laughs> sequence with the nun that you're like, if you didn't know, you'd be watching this and be like, what the hell yeah. is happening? <laughs> um, and this stars... What's the little girl's name? Is it Stephanie Sigmund? Is she the one from... Uh, no. Talitha Bateman, Lulu Wilson, uh, Miranda Otto from Lord of the Rings is in this. Oh, yeah. Just not enough, though. Where, Samara Lee. I which one is name. the kid that was in... Um, I'm thinking Lulu? Yeah, they don't have their pic- it's Lulu. pictures. She's the one that... Oh, uh, yeah. Haunting of Phyllis. Yeah, she looks weird with blonde hair. Yeah. Looks different. Um, so this one... It improves from the first one, but it's very confusing because it feels like they're throwing out the entire origin of the second movie, which... Wait, you mean the first movie? Yes. Yeah, well, they are, absolutely. (laughs) But then they do tie it back in by having the entire ending start the first movie. Yeah, that's the only thing, (laughs) thing, like... This they try so hard. <laughs> yeah, this movie's okay, and it's equally as like confused until like the last ten minutes. And you're like, oh, now they finally figured out like a an origin story for yeah. Annabelle and how this make actually relates. makes sense in the first movie. <laughs> like it it makes the first movie retroactively make more sense. Yeah. Um. So that the ending is okay, but leading up to that is like, I don't know. It's our like this one's all right. It's shot better. The cast is more interesting because it's like orphanage of girls. The dad and the mom in this are They're both like weird. red herring, like yeah. you think they're evil or something and they're not. Because like Miranda Otto's character is <laughs> just bedridden she, the whole time and she wears like a She was like a fan of the opera mask. Yeah. It's really weird. But then it's it, it gets complicated because like they are aware that Annabelle is evil and they've kind of locked her in a room, but like these girls are exploring the house and let her out and stuff. Um, But then it's also tied to the spirit of their daughter. Mm -hmm. So it's like they, I thought it was kind of interesting that they knew there was evil in the house. I guess they knew that this was, could happen, but they just thought like, it's been 20 years. It can't possibly still be around or whatever. So it wasn't like, I don't know. I thought it was more clever than just making them evil or something. Yeah, no, for sure. And my, my, honestly, I thought this one was kind of fine. My only big problem with it is that like, I feel like script, it was a script problem. Like they couldn't decide who the main character was supposed to be. Yeah. Like it starts out, you're following the, the girl in the, not in the wheelchair. She has like leg braces or something, right? Yeah. Polio. Yeah. It's just polio. Um, like you're following her and then like bad stuff starts to happen to her. And then it kind of shifts focus to the, the, the haunting of Hill house girl. And then it sort of shifts to be like about the whole group, except like we hardly know anything about any of these girls. Like I couldn't, couldn't have even when we were watching it, I couldn't have told you any of their names. Me neither. Um, (laughs) so it's just like, it's like, it felt very unfocused because it was like, I don't know who I'm following or rooting for here because the main characters become like possessed and evil. And now they've sort of switched to somebody else. It's just kind of weird. It was. So it's it's okay. It's definitely significantly better than the first one. I'm trying to think if there's any genuinely scary moments. I feel they like they do there more were. with like the demon creature from the first one you see. Yeah, that's more. I'm not crazy about the demon in any It of these, does kind of stick out a bit. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it fits. It's fine. It's just like eh, this less interested in that like I've seen Sinister, you know. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. This one was okay. 
I didn't hate it. Didn't love it. Yeah. I gave it three stars. Me too. We were on the same wavelength. Or I took a long time to catch up in my letterbox and I just went by <laughs> just your copied ratings. It. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would watch it again. Yeah. But it's not as bad as the first one. Uh, so that leaves the last movie, which is Annabelle Comes Home, which came out in 2019. So two years later after the second one, directed by Gary Dauberman. And the tagline... Who is the writer of all three of these movies, by mm. the way. Well, he needs to get his act together, which he did for the third one. <laughs> uh, bad tagline. Possess them all. It <laughs> sounds like Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Possess them all. <laughs> yeah. All right. So determined to keep Annabelle from wrecking more havoc, demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren bring the possessed doll to the locked artifacts room in their home, placing her safely behind sacred glass and enlisting a priest's holy blessing. But an, uh, but an unholy night of horror awaits as Annabelle awakens the evil spirits in the room who all set their sights on a new target, the Warren's 10-year-old daughter, Judy, and her friends. So this stars another Hill House girl, McKenny, McKenny, McKenna Grace, Madison Eisman, Katie Sarf, and Vera Farmiga, Patrick Wilson. Uh, here, I have to ask you a question Samara because Lee? I have to look this up. Uh, the guy that plays the ghost priest, his name is Gary Seven. That's weird. What is that? <laughs> what, what's <laughs> He's a going clone on there, baby? <laughs> that is really weird. Uh, and that's apparent. Oh man, it gets even weirder. That's I'm guessing his name comes from. There's a character named Gary Seven in a Star Trek, uh, in the original Star Trek, who is a Codename for a human male whose ancestors were abducted from Earth in 4000 BC. What the hell's going on? <laughs> this guy's name is Gary Seven. Anyways, that's all I could do. An, yeah. We're going to do an episode on Gary Seven eventually. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. Um. So this movie, I think it definitely feels like it fits in the Conjuring universe. Yep. Um. We also get Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, which a are lot the best more part. Than I thought. Yeah, I thought they're gonna be either reusing the same clip, which they kind of did again. They're in like the first like ten minutes of the movie, and yeah. maybe the first like the last like five or ten. minutes. Yeah, they definitely have more. And you almost going get on. Patrick Wilson singing a song and playing a guitar. So close. He pulled out the guitar and he's like, "Who wants he's to like, hear <gasps> me sing?" It's <laughs> like, like, what? Get the audience what they want. Um. <laughs> And by audience, you mean you. I'm not the only one. He's a good singer. Okay. <laughs> That's why he sings in every movie. <laughs> um, so that definitely is uh, helps the story along because also we like we also are aware that they have a daughter. We know that she's probably a little weird. Well, yeah, I think they've hinted that she has like the same psychic yeah. stuff that her mom does. She's popped up, movies. I think, once or twice in the other Conjuring movies. I don't mm -hmm. know if it was the same actress. It's a different actress in Conjuring 1 and 2, and it's the same actress from this in the third one, Yeah, I, I think. I'm not entirely sure when. Which means they've had almost all the kids from Haunting of Hill House in I the know. Conjuring universe at one time <laughs> or another. Uh. I, I'm sure there we saw like a timeline of when this takes place, if it's between conjurings or whatever. This is like, yeah, between one and two or two mm. and three, something. I don't remember. Um, and then this movie, it's interesting because like you, it feels more like a fan movie because you're like, oh, I want to see Definitely. what's in the room. And like, oh, what does that do? How is that possessed? This is like, to me, when they first show Annabelle in the first movie and you're like, ooh, that's creepy. I want yeah. what's up with that. This is the movie they should have made immediately Definitely. after that because this gives you exactly what you want after watching the first Conjuring movie. Yeah, so this 
I thought it was set up more like a anthology movie kind of where like you get these little short stories behind each possessed item mm-hmm. affecting different characters. Cause like there's three girls and one neighbor boy that are kind of all haunted yeah, this on one night um, by chance, I guess when the Warrens go out of town mm-hmm. and leave her with a babysitter. And then you get, her friend kind of like starts all of this by breaking into the room and touching things and she, letting Annabelle's spirit out. Yeah. And she's got an interesting backstory where like her yeah. dad recently died and she was driving the car when they had an accident. Yeah. And so she's, and she's like obsessed with wanting to like contact him. Cause she beyond. like wants like his forgiveness. Like she, she's worried yeah. that he bl- would have blamed her for So it's death. not like she's just a dumb kid. She's no, like, it's I have like, a it purpose. starts that way. Yeah. And you're like, okay, cliche. Like yeah. she's like the troublemaker or whatever. But then it's like, Oh no, she's got an actual backstory yeah. that goes, that makes sense with this. So I, I definitely like this setup and I feel like they fleshed out like all the characters a bit more and mm-hmm. gave them more to work with. Um, the babysitter girl is like kind of iffy because like the only thing with her is like she looks like this other girl in one of their old yeah, cases. It said there was in the trivia, there was something about how originally there was like an, another backstory with her where she had like almost died or something. That would have been more and interesting. And so she has like a, she's like super scared of dying. Yeah. And so that's why like the fairy man people yeah. were like attached to her kind of. But yeah, for this we get a werewolf, which I thought was the weakest story. It's like a ghost werewolf. Yeah. Werewolf. <laughs> he's like made of fog. We get our favorite Mealy feely or feely mealy? Feely mealy, a haunted mealy board, board game. game. That was awesome. And we we saw it like on the shelf, and then later it pops up in the board yeah, the game room, and we're like, scene, ah, mealy feely. The whole first scene in the in the locked room or whatever, yeah. they keep making these weird like hyper focused mm-hmm. in on things, and you're like, that's weird. And then yeah. all those things later come into play. Um, but yeah, haunted board game. There was a wedding, haunted wedding dress. That was, it I was like creepy. That. Yeah, I thought like, they did some cool stuff with that. The wedding dress, whoever wears it or the spirit is very violent when yeah. they wear it. Um, what else? Well, we get Annabelle, of course, wrecking havoc all over the house. Still didn't get any <laughs> Chucky style doll feet running around. Yeah. But I'll take it. Uh, there was the haunted little monkey toy. Yeah. Um, like it was like this weird thing. samurai suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the only backstory you get from that is like in Japanese. Yeah. And like ghostly. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, I'm not sure what that was about. Stood out a little bit. It was interesting, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you get a lot of different little things happening throughout the, the movie. The TV was odd. It was like it showed 10 seconds into the future yeah, or what it wanted to happen, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I thought it was interesting. I really enjoyed this. To me, this is like exactly what you want in like a dumb haunted house movie. Yeah. Like this movie's not saying anything interesting, but it's just like, I feel like most of these like haunted house movies take themselves way too seriously. And this one was just like kind of a ton of fun. It's just like how many things can we cram into one movie? And a couple of the creatures and scare, I thought the fairy man stuff in particular was really cool. These like corpse corpses with, um, Harley Harley is eating a rose plant that she keeps eating and then throwing up and now she's doing it right in front of us. Stop. Quit. Um, Harley's haunted by the rose plant. <laughs> she's like, I must jump on it. Um, yeah, there was, uh, I thought there was a really good scare with the ferryman where she's like holding up one of the coins and then the face like appears with the coin yeah. as the eye. Um, yeah, that guy was creepy. 
Yeah, I thought that that was the most effective, most interesting ghost thing. But all the stuff, like the girl being locked in the room with all that haunted stuff was really creepy and effective too. Yeah, and I I feel like with the Conjuring movies, this definitely had better production value. Yeah, and, it felt higher uh, budget than the other two movies for sure. A lot of sure. good sound design, like with Annabelle's kind of spirit, like you... They made it differentiate when she's out. It's like this weird like a drone, tonal drone. drone. And then when she's yeah. locked away, it's like goes away, which I thought was effective. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just seeing Annabelle like pop up around the house and stuff is kind of clever and cool. And yeah, I don't know. This, this one just worked so much better than the other two movies. Like this is the one, this is the one and only Annabelle movie they should have made. Yeah. Um, and we are definitely going to buy our own feely mealy. Yeah, is it real? Yes. Oh, oh it's it. so expensive, though. Probably because of this movie. Probably. Um, but yeah, Feely Mealy is a board game where it's a big box and you draw a card and you have to feel that object within the box. Yeah, the box has big it. holes on the side. You put yeah. your hand in and try and f- guess, feel, and meal. My own Feely Mealy movie. All we get from that is like hands and arms coming out. So yeah, well, we kept being, they kept like teasing that <laughs> yeah, something like, was going to happen. And, nothing, and we'd be like, oh, when is Feely Mealy going to yeah. come back? <laughs> I really enjoyed Like this would have been a really fun movie to watch around Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, like this, I think, is not only the best Annabelle movie, but actually a pretty decent Haunted House movie. Yeah. Um, I agree. I haven't rated it yet because we just watched this last night, but <laughs> I gave it three and a half. I'd probably go three and a half with like almost edging to a four for me. Yeah. I would just rewatch a lot of fun. It. Yeah. I would definitely rewatch this. Like to me, this is on par. Like this is almost more rewatchable than some of the conjuring movies to yeah. me. Like just cause those, I don't know. They're good, but they all end in the exact same way. Like, oh, we love each other, and that's how we yeah. win. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we love each other. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I mean, it's true, right? Yeah. And the good thing is, after all of our our watching the other ones, you don't have to see the first two to see this nope. at all. You totally it would help it. to see the Conjuring movies, but you don't need to see the other Annabelles. There is one small reference to. The spirit of the, the doll maker's the girl daughter. from the second movie, yeah. from the beginning of the second movie. Otherwise, and, and you totally don't have to have that. I was trying to remember, there was one joke when they were in the school in the beginning that we both actually laughed at and thought was really funny. Now, I couldn't remember what it was when I was trying to think it of it. It was a scene where uh, someone's telling the daughter that they can't come to her birthday party because their parents oh, yeah. think she's not old enough to process death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was actually... Yeah. yeah. There was some dialogue and bits in this that I thought were... It was like, this is easily the best thing yeah. that guy's written too, like Gary Dahlberman. Yeah. So it is streaming on HBO, and I would recommend watching it. Yeah, this one was fun. Especially if you like the Conjuring movies. So really, we just have the nun left, so we might as well finish the and whole the curse franchise. Curse of La Llorona. Ah, damn it. <laughs> I really don't want to watch that. The Curse of La Llorona. <laughs> we saw that trailer so I wonder what, what movie in the Conjuring universe has the worst rating. Probably one of the Annabelle movies. Yeah. The I first mean, Annabelle by Curse Gaspar. of La Llorona has... 2007, that's not it. There were two that came out. Well, there's La Llorona was another one. Yeah. Actually. I don't know Something. which one's the real one. <laughs> um, Yeah, this is the, okay, this is the one. It has a two. That's pretty bad. It has Linda Cardellini, though. She's cool. But yeah, two. That's pretty bad. 
Uh, I don't know. And the nun, I think, was also supposed to be really bad, right? I don't know. That the nun has the best scare in the Conjuring movie. Yeah, I think that's. I'm sure that's why they decided to make it. It has a two point one. <laughs> that's pretty bad. But it has Damien Bashir and Thaisa Farmiga, your favorite. The daughter. Yeah. What is she doing in there? I think she's the nun. The nun is old, isn't she? She's like a young woman who becomes possessed or something. She's like the main character. Hmm. Sister Irene. Anyways. So, yeah. Go watch Annabelle Comes Home. Yeah. that's. I would say it's in the top three Conjuring Universe movies. <laughs> I mean, I still love the first two Conjuring's more than this one probably um the third one's iffy i liked the second conjuring movie a lot until we saw um ghost watch and then i was like oh this is the oh, like yeah. thousand times better <laughs> version of that exact literal same story yeah so uh. all right so next up we watched oh at a movie party old which came out in 2021 directed by m night Shyamalan. is this that movie about the beats that makes you old yes <laughs> ah! Excuse me. It's only a matter of old. time. Uh oh. What would your disease be sneezing with your mouth open? Yeah. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. That's the tagline. Yeah. That's like that. There's an Amityville movie called Amityville. It's about, about time. time. <laughs> yeah. A family. Still hilarious to me because it's about a clock. Yeah. <laughs> so a family on a tropical holiday discovers that the secluded beach where they are staying is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day and spontaneously making them say their profession over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a truck driver. Yeah. So for some reason, this has an amazing cast, <sighs> which I still don't understand. So you got Gail Garcia Bernal, Vicky Cripps, Rufus Sewell, Alex Wolf, Thomas and McKenzie, Abby Lee, Nikki Amuka Bird, Ken Leung, Eliza Scallon. Okay, he's, he's just a something that eats schlanger. <laughs> yeah, right. and a bunch of other people you all recognize, and they're all in this stupid M Night Shyamalan Alexa movie. Swinton, is she related to Tilda? Probably Maybe not. No, she's an American <laughs> actress, so probably not. It could be her, <laughs> starring M Night Shyamalan. Yeah, as the hotel van driver. Oh boy! So I have not seen a Shyamalan movie since. Yeah, you never watched. Well, the actually, visit. I watched Split. Uh, you watched Split and I watched The Visit. I did not see The Visit. I did not see that Devil Elevator movie. Neither of us saw Glass. Nope. We haven't seen The Happening. Nope. We skipped a lot because they're all terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow he keeps getting movies made. Yeah. That's what is the most infuriating thing about this movie. This movie feels like it was written by a 10-year-old. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. For real, though, every other sentence is someone saying what their profession is. Like, and it's like, why? I think he's a bad director, but he's a far worse writer. <laughs> Definitely. Than His scripts are so bad. He's like, oh God, he's everything is so literal. Like every 10 seconds, somebody in the movie says, I don't have cell service. Yeah. And then uh, Gail Garcia Bernal's character, he speaks his character arc aloud to other characters. <laughs> he's like, I was... A fr what, I mean, I don't even remember what it was. He's like, was I can't of, make decisions. Yeah, I'm indecisive, but I made a decision. Yeah. Like, you almost, it's literally like almost those words. And like, yeah. every time they're like, uh, they're like, oh, maybe we could swim to escape. And then somebody's like, I'm a professional swimmer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
Jesus Christ. I mean, it's like, I mean, there's a whole thing in the visit that was like the final straw for me where like one of the characters is like a germaphobe and to like escape, he literally has to like put his face in a dirty diaper. And it's like, and not even like as a saw trap kind of thing. It's just like, (laughs) hey, that's just what he has to do. Like it's just, everything is like the most literal stupid character arc choice he can possibly make. He's such a terrible writer. (laughs) And then this movie, you would think like, oh, at least there'll be, gory stuff and nope there's like one effect it's not even that great but it's an interesting idea where like her bones are breaking like as she's walking yeah except her bones are like 20 feet long yeah this because they break in like six is not places good because this movie is cheap as hell and she's like flailing around like yeah. a weirdo and there's the cinematography <clears throat> in this movie is bizarre yeah, lots of weird angles, like sides of people's faces, wrong directional walking. So, somebody <laughs> said when we were watching it, like this, it's like he watched one episode of Mr. Robot and was like, oh, that looks cool, but didn't have any understanding as to why Mr. Robot shot the way it yeah. is. Like, there's, yeah, there's all these weird shots where people are like all the way to one side of the frame and it feels like, why the, what's yeah. going on? Or like these weird, like not drone shots, but like where the camera's like flying around and you're like, mm-hmm. what are we, what's, what are we looking at? What's happening? <laughs> Um, and then the worst part of this whole movie is the pregnancy, I oh, think. Oh, man. Holy so there hell. are these, like, there's a couple kids on the beach, and they go through puberty really fast, and then immediately have a baby together, and then immediately the baby dies. <laughs> and it's like, this See, whole thing was just to build up to have a baby, like, her get pregnant really fast. Well, and it's like, like, we only have 20 minutes before she gives in the labor. (laughs) It would have been weird, but at least, um, not super weird if they had had when the kids grow up like their minds also got like older, but like like they're acting like six year olds and they're like having a baby. Yeah. It's so creepy. It's creepy and, and not in a not in a fun or funny or interesting way. It's just like uncomfortable. You know, and if you want to have a baby segment, do it like when they're in their forties or thirties, not when they're sixteen. They just became sixteen and immediately give birth. It's insane. Oh, it's so uncomfortably <laughs> bizarre. And then there's like this weird. So we're, are we gonna spoil the ending? I don't care. Yeah. So <laughs> all of the people on the beach have a. Uh, hidden disease or illness which what was that thing when the the mom's like can you believe i found this place online it's like yeah yeah Yeah. that's where you find find everything and then it was like can you believe this was on our prescription receipt like they jumped through so (laughs) many hoops to try and explain how it's possible that this place could just kidnap people and then have them die within a day. Yeah. And then nobody investigate ever. <laughs> yeah. So the whole thing is that it's like a pharmaceutical company testing out cures for s- certain diseases that they all right. have. So like there's one character who's like epileptic. Yeah. And so they Someone has give a her tumor. like when you get there, they give you like a medicine, like in a like a daiquiri or whatever before you go to this beach. And so they're like, oh, but she survived. She yeah. didn't have a seizure for like. 20 20 hours which is like you know the the, yeah like the equivalent of of like 20 years or whatever so we huge success or whatever that's success yeah but then like why even have the kids you're just sacrificing the kids because they don't have a medical problem it's just so bizarre (laughs) just so you can get them pregnant i guess (laughs) so bizarre well i guess you need the kids because then you won't know how rapidly people are aging it's for the common good This way, mostly, I mean, it, there was, it was funny watching with a group for sure. Like there was some yeah. funny moments or whatever, but mostly 
Shaman legitimately makes me really angry because yeah. <laughs> there's so many talented filmmakers who are desperately clawing to get like any kind of budget and and get like a good cast or whatever. And somehow he keeps managing to like get these great casts and not like huge budgets, but he keeps managing to put out these movies mm-hmm. that everybody, including us, are talking <laughs> about. And they're terrible. He has not made a good movie in like 20 years. Yeah, it's been a really long time. And that's even arguable. Like, I don't like to me, Signs was the last good movie he made. And I wonder if I going back, if I'd even like Signs now. I used to really like it, but I haven't seen it in a really long time. I would think Sixth Sense is probably still fine. Unbreakable is probably fine. I wasn't even that crazy about either of those. Honest. Signs was the only one of his Signs that I ever like really the connected Village with. were like, I didn't like the those village. were the four that I watched and was like, it's probably fine. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah, not good. Yeah, super frustrating and terrible. Yeah. Uh, Can't wait to see what he does next. No, 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 So old, two stars? One and a half for I me. probably should go down. I'll do one and a half. That's the correct answer. <laughs> so complete opposite after old. We watched an old movie, <laughs> The Long Goodbye, which came out in 1973, directed by Robert Altman. Nothing says goodbye like a bullet. (laughs) (laughs) Detective Philip Marlowe tries to help a friend who is accused of murdering his wife. The shortest synopsis ever. Is that really it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, okay. It stars Elliot Gould, Nina Van Pallant, Sterling Hayden, Mark Rydell, Henry Gibson, David Arkin, Jim Bouton, Warren Burlinger, Joanne Brody. um, And? Stephen Coit. And? Jack Knight. And Pepe Callahan, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, wow. down. He's like the last person. He's uncredited. <laughs> I think this might be his first movie. Probably. He's only in it for like two seconds. Um, so a longer synopsis of the long goodbye. <laughs> Elliot Gould is like what? A film noir? Does it set take place in the 50s? I think the book does. I and mean, it's based on a, uh, I mean, it's a Philip Marlowe character, which is a, um, is that Dashiell Hammett? Blanket. Anyways, uh, you know, a detective character that's been, yeah, yeah the same as like the it's big like sleep and stuff. 40s, 50s feel, but 70s problems. Yeah. Um, And Elliot Gould is has a friend who asked him to drive him to Mexico. And then it turns out that uh, the friend's wife was murdered. And then it sets off this like long conspiracy to figure out who actually killed whom. And yeah, lots of stuff happening. Yeah. Um, and you get Elliot Gould with a kitty cat. I do like Elliot I do Gould. love the opening because it's all about feeding his cat. That's how this whole adventure starts. Tricking his he cat has into to get eating a different brand food. of cat food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been there, buddy. <laughs> these mouthy cats. And then we also got to see this on the big screen. So Yeah, it's part of the Plaza Drome. But the only issue... I feel like when we came out of it, I liked it overall, but I had a big issue understanding what people were saying. And I don't know if it was the theater or the sound in the movie or both. I suspect it's the sound. This is that's what I meant to look it up and I didn't actually do it. Um, like where this is in Robert Altman's career. Probably before Sorry, Nashville, maybe. Blue State newest. Um, so this is. Oh man, it's hard to talk because he's got a lot of shorts. And Nashville stuff. is 1975. The Players 92. Mash was before this. So this is after 
Mash and McCabe and Mrs. Miller, but and before Nashville. So I, I would guess, and I could be totally wrong about this. I could guess that this was his first attempt at doing his what he's really famous for, the whole like overlapping dialogue. Yeah. And really dense where there's like a lot of people talking at once thing, which meant everybody was probably mic'd up with these wireless mics that were really early in their development and sound like crap. Yeah. And so that's, I would guess that's part of why it's very, because I agreed with you. I thought this, it sounded terrible. It was very hard to understand. Yeah. A lot of and stuff. there was like important stuff I felt like we were missing because I'm like, oh, what's like, who is this again and what's going on? Yeah. Because there is a lot to, that it dives into and a lot of different moving pieces to kind of understand the whole, what the actual reveal is in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I liked this. It was, um, I, I don't like a lot of Altman movies. Yeah, I go back and forth on them. There's most most of the ones we've watched I've actively disliked. Um, this one I thought was pretty good. Um, I like the like uh, like super relaxed, cool guy mm-hmm. version of Philip Marlowe that like he's like almost like a bum. Like he's very yeah. It's a little Big Lebowski in that yeah. way. Um, that definitely and this is definitely an influence on Big Lebowski, I would guess. Um, and I feel like. We, if we rewatched Inherent Vice, it oh, would yeah. feel a lot like this, and maybe we'll actually get the point of it. Maybe so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely this kind of like meandering, like like the mystery is only like a uh, part of why we're following this story. It's mostly just that like it kind of uncovers like the weirdness of what's going on in the world. Yeah. And L.A. and everything at the time. Um so, and I mean, uh, Elliot Gould is really compelling and I like a lot of the like smart ass answers and stuff he gives when mm-hmm. he's getting beat up and all that stuff. Like that's all really fun. Like it hits a lot of the right, like film noir notes, even though it's very atypical film noir. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't have like a ton of like connection with it where I had like a lot to say about it necessarily. Yeah. I feel like right after we saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I like it. I see what people do. And now I'm just like, what was great about it? I liked, um, <laughs> I did really like Sterling Hayden as the like, uh, crazy alcoholic. Yeah. Husband he guy. Intense. He is really intense. And the guy that introduced the movie from Videodrome said that most of his line, most of his stuff was improvised, which is funny because he must have been absolutely insane. I love that Sterling Hayden always plays like these crazy people. We also had Henry Gibson, Dr. Verringer from oh, yeah. The Burbs. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> pop up. Um, also, this whole movie, I remember thinking like, I mean, they even reference it in the movie. They call him Marble, Marble Man. What was Marlboro? Marlboro. <laughs> I can't say Marlboro. it. Man, uh, because he strikes a match and lights a cigarette like every two minutes. Yeah, it is. Like, literally. how did he not two get three times like, seen. lung cancer just from this movie? My God. Yeah. He's like nonstop chain smoking the entire time. You know, those things will kill you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, They're, I enjoyed it. Yeah, props to the cat. <laughs> uh, I was gonna say I, when I wrote my review, I said this is my favorite Robert Altman movie, but I was trying to remember. I did. I liked the player a good bit, mm-hmm. um, and I liked. It's been forever since I've seen it, but I remember liking McCabe and Mrs. Miller. But that was like fifteen years ago when I watched it. I don't think I've seen it, so I don't know. But I actively disliked Mash and Nashville both. So. And people love Nashville so much, yeah, but I hated, I hated it. it. I did too. I really hated it. We might be the only two people. So eventually <laughs> we need, well, I want to watch Images. That's his horror movie. I'm that watching, would be weird. I'm curious about that. And Shortcuts is supposed to be good too. So I don't know. We'll see. Eventually we'll, we'll keep watching some more of his stuff. We got to see Popeye. <laughs>
<laughs> Popeye. Forgot about that. I have seen that. <laughs> uh, anyways, yeah. Yep. I gave I gave Long Goodbye three and a half. I gave it four. I don't know if I'll stick with it. Maybe three and a half. I'll give it a peer pressure. <laughs> All right. So next we watched a documentary which came out in 2021 and won an Oscar. And that is Summer of Soul or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, directed by Questlove. So, during the same summer as Woodstock, over 300,000 people attended the Harlem Cultural Festival, celebrating African-American music and culture and promoting black pride and unity. The the footage from the festival sat in a basement unseen for over 50 years, keeping this incredible event in America's history lost until now. Archives. (laughs) Get that out of the way. Yeah. So, uh, there's... It's Talking Head, I guess, interviews with... uh, Lots and lots of documentary it's footage. Like, yeah, it's a live event movie, like a musical, a concert movie with a lot of commentary. Yeah. Um, and also a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Contextual uh, stuff too, like yeah. adding in other footage from other stuff happening in the world at the same time. Yeah, so there's a, well, I don't know who the like list, but you get to see like Stevie Wonder and B.B. King, Nina Simone. Uh, who else? Sly, uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah. Um, who else was in it? A bunch bunch of musicians. Yeah. A whole bunch of gospel musicians. Oh, um, what's his name? Uh, who's the, who's the famous reverend? Jesse Jackson. Jesse Jackson. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, political footage of, like, JFK and Robert F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, uh, uh, Fidel Castro is listed. (laughs) I don't remember that part. (laughs) But overall, this was a great documentary. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, it was really enjoyable just, like, having all of this great music and performances tied into like everything going on at the world. It's mm-hmm. funny because like we've seen a lot recently, re- like the Apollo 10 and a half movie, like referencing how like excited people were for the moon landing. And then you get like this where it's like, we're not excited because people are dying on earth. Like, yeah. The way this movie is edited is unreal. Like the editing is insane in this movie. Um, and I was going to check and see, so the guy who, yeah, the guy who edited it also edited What Happened to Miss Simone, which we haven't seen yet, but I'm kind of curious about now. Um, he looks like he's done a bunch of uh, musical and documentary stuff, so a good pick for this. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's like unreal to me that somehow, I mean, the, the actual music event is super fun to watch and is interesting and sounds great um, and, you know, just crazy performances awesome performances but then also tying in that like the whole summer that these concerts were happening was like this major shift in popular consciousness and black culture and tying all of that together with like interviews and the actual music performances and uh you know all the historical stuff going on is that this movie is not like a six or seven hour Ken Burns style documentary series. It's not un- yet. It's unreal <laughs> that this is boiled down to two hours and is as good as it is. Yeah. Um, Cause it really has a ton to say and it's super fascinating um, and just incredibly interesting to watch. Yeah. 
Um, and also Stevie Wonder is an insanely badass drummer, and I did not know that. And that blew my mind. <laughs> so I got to throw that out there. Yeah, it was just a lot of fun to watch. Um, Cause like we've been watching more music docs, like with the Beatles one too. Mm-hmm. So it's just like nice to kind of relive some awesome performances. But then also, uh, I guess the Beatles one didn't really go into any of the the time period stuff. Just about them, but yeah. Not about like the rest of the world, yeah. But yeah, just it's interesting to see like kind of all the footage like after MLK is assassinated, like all the turmoil that everyone is feeling and then kind of like with Woodstock just having like this healing hippie like fest, um, but in Harlem with a bunch of awesome people. And it's weird that you like never, well, it's not weird. It's obvious why no one heard of it yeah. <laughs> and why it was sitting in a basement. Um, that's why it's important to uh, support your local archives. <laughs> yeah, I guess that. <laughs> Yeah, this is really, really good. Like, easily one of the best music documentaries ever made, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to imagine this movie doing doing anything better than it already does, more or less. Well, it'll be interesting, too, to see if Questlove does more projects like this yeah. or does other stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is such a specific, unique uh, movie, like finding that footage and being able to make something out of it. I'm not sure if he's got like another idea or something, but yeah. I mean, yeah. the way this is edited and directed is like amazing. Um, I gave it four and a half stars. I gave it four and a half as well and it's streaming on Hulu and Disney Plus. I know it was also on Hulu. Huh. But yeah, this is definitely worth watching. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended. What else we got? So next up, we watched a new movie, probably our favorite of the year, I'm guessing. And that is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I don't know. Wait, that new Jurassic World comes out soon. So this came out this year. It's directed by the Daniels, who are Daniel Schneid- Schneider and Daniel Kwan. And there's a googly eye on Letterboxd when you review mm-hmm. it. So, new year, new universe. An aging Chinese immigrant is swept up in an insane adventure where she alone can save the world by exploring other universes, connecting with the lives she could have led. Unfortunately, this sweeps her up into an even bigger adventure when she finds herself lost in the infinite worlds of the multiverse. So, this stars Michelle Yeoh. Hey, lady! <laughs> I just like her a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephanie Hazu. Hey, lady. <laughs> uh, Ki Kwan, James Hong, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Hey, lady. <laughs> also, Jenny Slate. Hey, lady. <laughs> Just barely. barely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I really, really, really love this movie. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. It tackled. It could be a confusing concept for some, I guess, who aren't r- familiar with like all the Marvel med- multiverse stuff going on. But basically, it's just like infinite universes where if you made this decision here, another universe will s- uh, split off and sh- go its own way. And then within that universe, those decisions like split off and stuff. And then basically the idea here is that not just like going to a parallel universe, but you can harness like the abilities and memories of some of yourself in a parallel universe. So, you know, if you have a parallel version of yourself, that's like a martial arts expert, you can pull that into, but the only way to access that stuff is by doing something 
bizarre <laughs> that splits off the timeline basically yeah so you do something unexpected and there's like specific things so like i'm trying to think of some of the weird ones well like one of them like she yeah. has to profess her love to the monster that's yeah. chasing her and mean it <laughs> uh one of them she had to um uh oh to put her shoes on backwards like put the wrong put the wrong shoe on the wrong foot um something about like licking someone's armpit or putting fingers up someone's nose yeah uh, there's, there's it's some like, bizarre i mean ones. there's ton, tons of them in the movie yeah um also this is definitely a comedy so yes, very funny we've seen the other daniel movies um We're pretty big fans of them actually I yeah would say. so I, there's swiss army man and D- death of dick long death of dick long in particular two. i think is really good yeah but this i think takes all of oh, the easy. good stuff that they have in their style and kicks it up to like yes. a thousand <laughs> to me like the wacky crazy editing approach to this is it's like a little bit like edgar wright speaking of our last episode but it kind of cranks that up to 11 yeah in, in a really crazy way and just like there's just so much crazy stuff that happens in the movie it's hard to even yeah but even with all everything. the crazy stuff it's very like sentimental family movie yes. and kind of romance and because you get uh, K. Hugh Kwan, who is short round from Indiana Jones and what's D- his name? Data. Data. I was going to say that. I think, I think it is Data. from the Goonies. And this is like his return to acting since then, yeah, which is insane. Great. Yeah. He was one of my favorite parts. Uh, and Michelle Yeoh is also great. And they have a daughter who I've seen in the Marvelous Miss Maisel, um, who turns out playing the bad guy. Or not even the bad guy, just the misguided person. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How awesome is it that Michelle Yeoh, who is 59 years old, is the action lead in what is easily the best movie of the year so far? Yeah. And that now, over the last 10 years, our best two action performances are by Michelle Yeoh and Charlize Theron. Yeah. By a long shot. How old is Charlize Theron? Uh, She's in her... 40s i think now when she I don't, I don't know how old she was when she was uh i don't know anyways she's <laughs> around 40 um so yeah i really like the sentimental parts too even though there yeah. were lots of funny moments there was like this whole scene where they're rocks and it's just yeah. like subtitles on the screen You're not <laughs> the funniest one Hot dog hands. Hot dog fingers. <laughs> so there's a whole universe where humans evolved and had hot dog fingers instead of like floppy <laughs> that make ridiculous noise every time they move. Yeah. And people use their feet instead. Yeah. To like play the <laughs> piano and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's what's so crazy about this movie is that it should just be like ridiculous and funny and like, oh, that was really funny. Yeah. But it's also, in addition to being like one of the strangest and wackiest movies you'll ever see, it's also like super poignant and meaningful and thematically and fascinating. Like it's really smart on top of being really ridiculous. Yeah. Because you get a lot of like kind of dealing with just being like a Chinese immigrant trying to run a shop in America and like what you left behind with your family in China and like the relationship you have with your parents from all aspects. How how do you, how do you tell your very traditional father that your daughter is gay? Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, um, 
and or how like when she starts seeing other versions of her life how do you reconcile the fact that like oh there's a version of my life where i'm like super famous and things are going really well because i didn't marry the person i married in this (laughs) life or like you know so she's seeing all these different versions of herself too and so there's like an existential crisis going on too yeah she's like take me back to that other yeah (laughs) but yeah there's like a whole universe one of the parallel universes uh plays on the fact that Basically, it's Michelle Yeoh in real life that she's like this action movie star that had all this success, but also turning that into like this version of In the Mood for Love, which she was in, uh, where it's like this this uh, rainy romantic drama thing going on in that universe. And yeah, um, there's was a, she in that? Yeah, isn't she? Or am no. I totally wrong? About, oh, I think I'm it was totally a different actress. Never mind. But um, <clears throat> she should have been in it. That's why they did is, it. <laughs> who's the female lead in that? Well, this is terrible that I'm not that I don't know this. I'll look it up while you talk. Okay, but um, uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, one thing. One of the things that blew me away in terms of like how well the movie was Maggie working. Maggie Chung. Oh, that's right. Harper, you're racist. I'm not racist. I just forgot. <laughs> um, uh, there is, um, a whole scene where there's just rocks talking to each other via subtitles where there's no, uh, no sound dialogue, no, no movement, nothing happening. And the entire theater was totally silent and wrapped at attention because there's like, it was like a really important climax part yeah. of the climax of the movie. Um, yeah. I mean, to me, this reminded me a little bit of like, um, some of my favorite musicians are these people like Frank Zappa or Mike Patton that like are insanely talented and, but put most of their effort into making goofy, silly stuff um, because it's more fun. Yeah. Uh, And I feel like that, that reminded me a lot of this movie and that like the movie is like incredibly smart and, and interesting and well-made and is also like the goofiest thing you'll ever see. Yeah. Um, and it actually reminded me, there's definitely a little, um, Terry Gilliam in this movie too, with like, particularly in the alpha, the prime universe or whatever, alpha universe, I don't remember what they called it. Um, like all the gear that they wear to like travel to other universes is very like Brazil esque to me or well, like yeah. that, that newer sci-fi movie he made, um, zero, whatever. Even um, though this movie only takes place in like two or three locations you have like the laundromat and the irs building and then like the van where the other universe people are yeah it's like they do a great job of kind of altering stuff too and bringing in lots of weird things like costumes and uh hot dog fingers and stuff (laughs) to really like you don't realize until the end it's like oh it really is just like two buildings that they go between (laughs) i mean it's gonna be really interesting how much this movie gets remembered when oscar season comes around because i feel like it could get nominated it should be nominated for a bunch of stuff yeah but in particular costuming makeup script editing (laughs) yeah you know like it's just there's so much super impressive stuff going on in the movie I gave it four and a half stars. I did too. I would have given it five, but there's part of the ending that is like, it feels like it ends like three times to me. Yeah. Like uh, there was I one, didn't mind that, there though. was one ending when I was like, oh, this is such a perfect emotionally resonant ending. And then the movie kept going and I was like, oh, okay. But um, that was the only thing I didn't like about it. Otherwise I cannot wait to watch this movie again. Yeah. I'd be up for seeing it again in the theater. Yes, me too. So next up, we watch Dead Heat, which came out in 1988, directed by Mark Goldblatt. You can't keep a good cop dead. 
LAPD police officer Roger Mortis is killed. Roger while, Mortis is killed while arresting zombies who have been reanimated by the head of Dante Laboratories in order to carry out violent armed robberies. Starring Treat Williams and Joe Piscopo. Piscopo. <laughs> Piscopo and Lindsay Frost. Uh, Vincent Roger Price. Mortis. Yeah. <laughs> So we may have talked about this movie before, but this is a buddy horror comedy cop movie. It's a buddy cop movie with zombie (laughs) cops and zombie robbers. And it has one of the funniest zombie cop scenes ever. I'd say the best zombie cop (laughs) scene The best use of using two zombies shooting at each other. (laughs) I feel like the entire movie is really just exists for that one scene where a cop and a bad guy both have machine guns and they're both zombies and they're both just shooting each other for like 10 (laughs) seconds straight. It is the funniest thing ever. Um, So yeah, I think this movie's fun. It's funny. It's not as good as like brain damage, but it's great to just like throw on and watch and... Yeah. I mean, uh, the one-liners are a bit annoying from Joe Piscopo, yeah. but Treat Williams is just having a good time with Clearly. it, I think so. <laughs> yeah, and I think there's some pretty decent uh, effects, gory effects and stuff in this too. I really like when the lady turns into a skeleton. Basically. Yeah, there are some good gory effects. And she's like, I'm sorry. Yeah, and Treat Williams is like slowly age deca- or decomposing like... <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. We don't have to talk about this one for too long since we probably have talked about it before. But um, yeah, I feel like it's missing just something. I don't can't put my finger on it. Like it could be a total classic. It's just missing a little something because the I the concept is really really good. It's a really funny idea. Um, so it's fun. It's a lot of fun. We got to watch the the new like 4K. I think it's a vinegar syndrome one. Maybe um, with our buddies. So that was that was fun. It was definitely fun to watch with a group. Yeah. But you can watch it on Shudder and Tubi. <laughs> I gave it three and a half. I did too. No yawning allowed, Harper. Sorry. Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> <laughs> you do that every time I yawn. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to a newish movie. We ended up watching The King's Man, which came out in 2021, directed by Matthew Vaughn. Witness the bloody origin. As a collection of history's worst tyrants and criminal masterminds gather to plot a war to wipe out millions, one man must race against time to stop them. So this is part of the Kingsman's franchise, but it's the origin of it. Yeah. So you get Ralph Fiennes, Harris Dickinson, Gemma Arterton, Reese Ivins, Digimon Hansu, Matthew Good, and Tom Hollander, and Daniel Brohl. Who always plays a Nazi. And for some reason, Aaron Taylor Johnson shows up at some point. I still don't know why he was in it. <laughs> oh, he's just from the beginning, right? Or from No, like, he's the like soldier who oh, replaced Well, yeah, him. but that ties into like the first Kingsman movie, I think. But he's not in that. He's not? No, that's why I thought it was very weird. Oh. <laughs> that is weird. You're right. Um it was fine. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, these movies are what they are. Like, it's going to have some action, lots of CGI and British stuff <laughs> with umbrellas. <laughs> I mean, I liked all the World War One stuff. I uh, thought that was kind of like the way it tied into historical stuff is cool. I find it very weird that definitely all the marketing this movie makes it out like uh, Rasputin's the main villain. And then yeah. he dies like 40 minutes into the movie. <laughs> 
I mean, it takes a while to kill him, but yeah, he is pretty killed off early. <laughs> yeah, I was very surprised by that. I was like, all right, what's what's left? I did not see the twist I of did. who was going to be the bad guy at the end. I guess that real early on. Well, good for you, Harper. Um, but we won't give it away. Uh, I thought there was one particular sequence in this movie that was amazing. Yeah. Uh, when the very first, when World War One first breaks out, they do this super cool shot. It's a little bit like that stuff in Noah, the like stop motion stuff in Noah. That yeah. They did. It's like they there's like a field where the wars war is beginning, and then they like the camera's like backing away, and it's like a time lapse of the first year of the war and how this like beautiful field is turned into the no man's land. Yeah, that was cool. And then like the. I think it's bot. Is it bodies or bones? Something, this big pile of stuff then like morphs into like something else from the next scene. Like it's a really cool, well put together, like visual effect. Um, that sequence is really neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Otherwise, like the movie's not super memorable, but it's, you know, it's decently fun. Like these movies always are like, I kind of forget about them right afterwards, but they're, they're kind of fun to watch. Yeah. They're fine. If there's like nothing else, you need a background movie. Yeah. It makes me sad that I think Matthew Vaughn's a pretty decent director and it's kind of sucks that he's basically just gotten sucked into doing this whole, he's directed all three of these movies so far. Weird. He's got, Oh, Argyle is his new one. Is that new? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that is his new one. That hasn't come out yet. Oh yeah. But like layer cake and X-Men first class are both like really good movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Stardust weird. Forgot he did that. Um, but yeah, so these are it, always like always they're, they're fine, but not like nothing to write home about. Yeah. You can watch it on HBO and Hulu. I ended up giving it three stars. I gave it three and a half. What's next? Next up, I watched a movie by myself, and that was Five Easy Pieces, which came out in 1970, directed by Bob Raffleson, um, who I don't think I've seen any of his other movies. So I can't help you there. <laughs> um, five Easy Pieces. He rode the fast lane on the road to nowhere. A dropout from upper-class America picks up work along the way on oil rigs when his life isn't spent in a squalid succession of bars, motels, and other points of interest. This stars Jack Nicholson, Karen Black, Susan Ansbach, Louis Smith, Ralph White, Billy Greenbush, Irene Daly, and Tony Basil. Uh, I, know, I thought this was okay. I feel like this falls into the easy rider, not made for our generation yeah genre (laughs) and it's not even like i don't know he's just such a bad person in the movie too so it's really hard to connect with anything he's going through because he's like from an upper class he's like a concert pianist who decides he doesn't want to be anymore and he kind of joins like working class america just for the fun of it and then he has a girlfriend who he treats like shit (laughs) and like she may or may not be pregnant and he's like too busy focusing on himself and what he wants instead of like owning up to his responsibility of like help raise this baby that you made. Yeah. Um, and then his father ends up having a stroke or a second stroke or something. And he goes back to his home to try and kind of like reconcile with his family and all the other musicians in this like school that he grew up in. And it's, there's like one or two good scenes. I think that 
Jack Nicholson pulls off really well. And there's like this very dramatic scene where he has with his father kind of like questioning their relationship and looking for apologies, but like he can't talk back. So it's, it's an emotional scene. Um, But then it's like, he just, he decides to like, I guess go back to his old life with his girlfriend and stuff and then ends up abandoning her in a gas station and going to Alaska. Cool. So the American dream. Exactly. It's like, who is this for? Like, it's not for women. What are the five <laughs> easy pieces? I have no idea. Hmm. <laughs> Unless I missed attention. it. Yeah. <laughs> I thought maybe it was going to be in five easy digestible chunks of five chapters. easy women to leave behind. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Yeah. I gave it three and a half. It's not even long. It's only 98 minutes, but hmm. it felt super long. Yeah. And it's just like, this guy sucks. <laughs> hmm. So I don't know who should watch it. Has Jack Nicholson ever played a character who's like only a good dude? Like I'm trying to think of a movie where he's not like he's always been kind of a weird like 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 uh I mean he's not that great in one flew over the cuckoo's cuckoo's nest. nest. Yeah, he's not really a good guy in that. Chinatown, uh, he's not he's a bad detective, right? He's not know. yeah, he might that might be his most morally positive movie. Shining, Mars obviously. Attacks. Mars Attacks. <laughs> he's such sure. a president. <laughs> uh, like even about Schmidt, like, you know, he's kind of, he's he's very likable, but he's very also I think like, that's kind of know. what he does. He's like a likable bad guy. Yeah, who's I think like, you're right. Like he, never, he doesn't often play villains, really. Yeah, because it's kind of like Terms of Endearment. He's kind of similar in this, huh. but like as an older version. Yeah, that's kind of, I never thought about that. He's always, he's generally protagonist, but he's all, often like these very morally flawed protagonists. Yeah. That's kind of interesting. Like, Departed yeah, this does not sound like my kind of movie. I really hate that, like, Easy Rider, like, I just want to be free, man. It just, it doesn't yeah. resonate with me, and it mostly makes me really annoyed. <laughs> I can get a job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Basically. it's not even that. Like, if you're going to get a job, fine. Why do you have to treat all the women like SHIT? And, well, like, don't have a baby. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Don't pull them into, like, don't ruin their life because you're fine ruining yours. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Own up to it. <laughs> Sounds like he's not a great dude. Yeah. And then just an abandoned her at a gas station. He's abandoned my yeah. lady. <laughs> I just gotta be free. <laughs> no woman can hold him down. He's a free bird. So it's on HBO. Don't watch it. Watch it. Whatever. <laughs> Three and a half. <laughs> Three and a half. Wow. Or what you because that it? like one scene was very good. Okay, all right. But the yeah, it's just hard to get over the rest of it. Um, your turn. Okay. What did you watch? Uh, I rewatched Arrival from 2016, um, directed by Denny Villeneuve, uh, starring Amy Adams, Jeremy Renner, Forrest Whitaker, Michael Stuhlbarg, which I completely forgot he was in that movie. Yeah. Um, and not really anybody else. Um. Why are they here? That's the tagline. That's a terrible tagline. Mm-hmm. Taking place after alien crafts land around the world, an expert linguist is recruited by the military to determine whether they come in peace or are a threat. Um, I rewatched this because I, um, since the last time I've watched it, I've read the short story, and just recently I was listening to the audiobook of that book, and so I listened to the short story again and really liked it and made me want to watch it again. Um, 
which is called Story of Your Life. The story is called Story of Your Life, um, and it's written by Ted Shang. Um, uh, I like this a little less than I did the last time I watched it. I think, yeah. uh, surprisingly, Letterboxd says I've seen this movie four times, which does not seem right. I feel I like we saw well, it okay. twice in theaters. I saw We saw it in theaters. Then I saw it with my friend Diego in theaters because he wanted to see it, and he was like writing a blog post about the score. Then we watched it with your mom. Yeah, we watched it with mom, and then I watched it now, so that, make, that does make sense. But it doesn't seem like I've seen it that many times. This time... I didn't work quite as well for me, maybe because, you know, we've seen more of his newer stuff like Dune and Blade Runner and stuff, or um, also because the story, the story works better in some ways and the movie works better in some ways. Like, I don't want to get super into it because it's yeah. not very interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, it is, it is still really, really cool. And I think it does a lot of interesting stuff with sound. Um, yeah, but- I always like that part. Of the movie. Yeah. The most shocking thing about this movie, though, Jeremy Renner gives a great performance. Impossible. <laughs> this is by far and away his best movie, I would say. I mean, I, we haven't seen Hurt Locker since it came out, but yeah. um, to, for all the jokes about Jeremy Renner and his social network and his clothing <laughs> brand and all that nonsense and well, how he bad... he was in that bad movie I watched. How terrible he, he is should have been in, a Native American. Avengers movies. <laughs> uh, win, winter Lake. Yeah, What is it called? I can't remember. Cold Lake. Winter's Lake Bone. Winter Lake Bone. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, he's actually really... Wind River. Okay, that was close. Uh, he's actually really good in this and he's actually very well cast for the character that's in the book. Like he, like you think... When you think mathematician, you don't think Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> I sure don't. <laughs> but uh, I actually think he's pretty good in this. Not to say like he's the best performance in the movie. I just was like kind of surprised by... Like I usually do not like him and I was like, hey, he's pretty good in this. Um, Forrest Whitaker has a weird accent but I don't <laughs> understand why. Um it was like one year he made movies and he's like, I'm just going to try something different. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, a, it's still awesome. a good movie, but I didn't quite, like I loved this movie when we first saw it. Now I'm just like, yeah, it's good. Um, so I gave it, I still stuck with my original rating of four stars, but it may bump down to three and a half at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah, still a good movie. Arrival. So we're going to wrap up our last movie with something new called... The North Man. Nah! <laughs> yeah, I do a Howard Dean. Nah! <laughs> yeah. Howard Dean is the new Viking. Yeah. Uh, so this came out this year, 2022, directed by Robert Eggers, who also did The Witch and The Lighthouse. Is that all? And yes. this. And maybe Nosferatu one day. Uh, conquer Your Fate. So Prince Amleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Amleth is now a Viking who's on a mission to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his... I didn't say it right. Uh, Save my mother, kill his uncle, avenge his father. (laughs) The kid that plays him as a kid is also in the Batman. Who is he? I told you. Who is he in Batman? I don't remember, but everyone was saying, like, this dude has, like, the best three first credits ever. What was his other one? On Letterboxd, it's just this Batman and Northman. I think he played some other kid. I don't remember. But this stars Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Clay Spang, Ethan Hawke, Anya Taylor-Joy, Gustav Lind, Elliot Rose. Young Bruce Wayne. (laughs) Yeah. William Dafoe, Phil Martin, Elder Scar, Olin Fjordor. Is that our guy? Well, no, that's Mandy girl. Never mind. I think it's half. Oh, wait, no. Uh, Ingvar? Yeah, it's Ingvar Sigurdsson is the guy from 
yeah. everything. He's the he's the uh, Icelandic guy. He's in every movie that takes place in Iceland. And I forgot Bjork. <laughs> yeah. Um. So this movie is pretty good. Ugh, it rules. <laughs> this movie is great. Uh. I only had one or two issues with it, but I think this is probably the most mainstream Robert Eggers movie that you'll get oh, for a while. <laughs> it's definitely more, can be enjoyed by more audiences than It's a lot Lighthouse more accessible than The Witch yeah. and Lighthouse, yeah. Um, I think the overall cast is great. Uh, he's got his signature style of like period pieces, authentic looking mm-hmm. production design. He uses like Viking... Uh, or Nordic symbol title cards. Mm-hmm. The opening title doesn't come until the last minute of the movie. No, it's a good one when you, do, <laughs> when you pull that yeah. off. You also get Willem Dafoe being a creepy dude. So there's also a lot of gore and violence. And it's at first it feels kind of like hidden from the audience. And then it's like, oh no, there's like uh, people there's, making a horse body part. It, there's some stuff. very Hannibal <laughs> slash Midsummer-esque uh, displays of corpses yeah, and vi- uh, vi- aftermath of violent stuff that is super intense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love this, man. I liked it a lot. I thought it was exactly the kind of like exciting, bloody, epic adventure story that I feel like I've never really gotten that kind of Viking thing on screen before. Yeah. It captures a, a lot of like the stuff I love about Skyrim. And there's one scene in particular that is like the most Skyrim thing I'll ever see in a movie. I'm sure where he fights like a corpse for, for a legendary sword. Yeah. That scene and some other elements of this movie reminded me a lot of the green Knight and like what I wish the green Knight would have been. Totally, So this feels like a, pumped up version of yeah. that movie whereas the green knight felt like this is cool this is cool this yeah. is cool but none of it means anything yeah this like means stuff and it's cool every every <laughs> cool like myth mythic or magical ish thing that happens feels like it's propelling the plot forward in yeah. a significant way whereas like green knight felt like oh here's just a bunch of weird interesting yeah. medieval-ish stuff that doesn't that only really adds up in the very end and then we also get Lots of gorgeous Icelandic landscapes, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I'm going to say the volcano really was erupting while he filmed it. <laughs> I mean, it kind of seems like they're sweating a lot. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah like uh, oh, the movie has an amazing sound design, which I think his movies don't get enough credit for that. Like the Lighthouse, I thought had the best sound of the year of yeah. any movie, and this movie also has excellent sound design like lots one, of screaming too. <laughs> oh, yeah the one one cool example of the sound design when he gets like he's told by a he witch and by willem defoe's severed head that he needs to go find this specific sword that they call like the night blade yeah um and so he goes to get it and when he gets the sword every time he takes it out of the sheath it's like the sound of it coming out of the sheath like rings out like the entire time the sword is out of the sheath like it's got like yeah. this magical aura to it um, that was a really cool sound. Um, but there's a lot of cool stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some really cool shots where he does these interesting one takes or like not psychedelic, but like surreal stuff where like the camera's moving around and you're seeing like different people or like the, the, the tree of Kings stuff was really cool looking. Yeah. Um, the only, like I would have given this like maybe a five star except that, uh, 
there's one scene in the movie. I, I don't want to give away what happens, but it's like, it's the last time he's on the boat and he's leaving Anya Taylor-Joy for a reason I won't specify. <laughs> um, and uh, that scene felt super like melodramatic and the music in that scene was weird too. All of it felt very kind of out of place with the rest of the tone of the rest of the movie. Like plot wise, it makes sense, but it just felt out of place and weird to me. Fine to me. Maybe second time I wouldn't. With his decision. Well, yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be. It's like you can't avoid his fate, right? (laughs) Um, But yeah. Speaking of performance wise, my only issue, Alexander Skarsgård felt too old to be playing. It's like 20 years later. He's supposed to be like 28, I think. I don't know. He perpetually seems like he's about that age to me. Yeah, he's like in his 40s, though. And then Anya Taylor-Joy does look like a child compared to him. Well, definitely. He definitely seemed a lot older than her. I'll give you that. But, um, you know, people age fast when you're running around axing people all the time. I guess. Nicole Kidman was not as over the top as I thought she was going to be. I thought I heard that she was in this movie, but it was fine. Yeah, I thought she was fine. Uh, I, I liked a little, she uh, was a little off putting, just, I don't know. Just Something's the, off about her. I don't, as a person. <laughs> yeah. She's weird. Heartbreak feels good in a place yeah. like this. <laughs> um, Anya Taylor joy is always good. Yeah. It's a cool. little obnoxious how good she is in everything. <laughs> yeah. Quit it. Yeah. Well, I guess she had that one bad X-Men movie. Yeah. Which I, I kept thinking about that movie because she had a Russian accent in that movie too. Yeah. Um, I like Class Bang as the bad guy who was maybe or maybe not all that bad. Yeah. Also, we needed more Ethan Hawke, though, because yeah, I bad. thought he'd Ethan be Hawk in it Willem longer. Defoe. Yeah. Um, Willem Dafoe as a severed head was fine. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. The only... Uh, uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to say was that I also thought it was interesting. Like, this could have just been, like, a straight, like, Viking movie, like, we're going to go with the morals of the Viking time and yeah. like women are going to get raped all over the place. And there's, you know, it's very, very black and white. And this movie is not like that at all. It's like surprisingly kind not, I wouldn't say progressive, but is like very morally gray and interesting in a way that I didn't expect it to be. I don't know about that. I mean, they still imply that they're going to rape women. They just don't show it. They well, take slaves I, yeah. and they burn a house down full of children. No, fair <laughs> enough. But like, okay. But like with the slaves, there's that whole thing. The first time they introduce the bad guy again, after 20 years have passed, the very first thing he does is teach his son the lesson that was like, Hey, uh, they're like, why can't we just have the slaves do this? And he's like, well, there's nothing they do that I, that we shouldn't show them that we're also capable. And like, they're part of our family. Like he's like, I, they're still slaves, <laughs> Yeah. but he's, you know, it's like, Oh, that's kind of like, that's too good. That's too nice of a thing for the bad guy to be saying. <laughs> and then obviously there's like twists and you yeah. Know. So yeah, there's just some interesting stuff in there that I, w- I expected to be more black and white than it was, I guess is what I mean. Um, so I was pleasantly surprised by that. Like I, I really enjoyed this. I think it would be super fun to watch again. We also nominate Bjork's costume for best Ugh, costume design. Super cool. <laughs> yeah, this is another one that absolutely should get nominated for costume and production design and stuff because it was really cool. Although some of the men, we didn't get dongs, but there's a lot of just like loincloths. I mean, that's part of the like progressive-ish thing <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about is like <laughs> when you think of Viking, you're like, oh, there's going to be a lot of like naked people. I just think naked, they weren't allowed naked to be people naked. stuff. Maybe um, that's that the studio interfered with not having. Well, yeah, he said <laughs> there was a lot of interference. Yeah, maybe yeah. there was going to be a lot more, and there maybe wasn't. he wanted maybe it. Maybe that worked out for the best. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Overall, 
I liked it. I did too. I thought it was really good. It's. I, I feel like I would rewatch The Witch in Lighthouse more than this, but maybe like once or twice every other year I'd watch Northman. I don't know. I mean, to me, this is a lot more fun than either of those movies, but those movies are maybe a little more thematically interesting. Yeah, they... I mean, this has horror elements, but those feel like horror movies. Yeah, for sure. So maybe that's the difference. This feels more war. I will say action. it's really exciting that we're getting to the part part of the year where I feel like we saw three movies in this last month that potentially could all be in my top 10 for the year. Yeah. And two that are easily in the top three or four right now. So, um, yeah, we're finally getting to the part of the year where really good stuff is going to start coming out. And there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Soon. What a perfect segue. What a segue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that wraps up our roundup. <laughs> and let's move into our mini segment of Trailer, Trailer Talk. Talk. trailer trailer talks <laughs> we're going to go through so we went and saw the northman recently and we're going to talk about the trailers that we saw there's a lot of trailers we saw on the northman plus one that recently came out that wasn't what a bizarre lineup of trailers to show before a movie like the northman yeah i don't know who picked it but there's a lot going on here if there's one thing that people who like watching movies about vikings uh desecrating corpses it's that they're also big fans of Downton Abbey. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with Downton Abbey. What's this one actually called? The New Age or something? Let me look it new, up. A new we era. gotta be uh, accurate. Damn it. I don't know how to look it up. I typed in Downton Abbey and it just shows the original movie. <laughs> Let me go to It's Downton this Abbey. Dude. Uh it's about time. <laughs> No, it's a new era. <laughs> I thought you were serious. So I'm like, I really? Was. That'd be really fun. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's I had it right. The new Downton Abbey movie. Basically, they go on vacation to Italy, and also right. Hollywood comes in and makes a movie, The Talkies, <laughs> <sighs> and it's like, oh no. British stuff. <laughs> the trailer is just an excuse for Maggie. Um, what's her name? Smith. Maggie Smith to just be like the like saucy granny. Yeah. She always is the what count, is the a weekend? <laughs> I do remember when she tried to use the phone that one time. That was really funny. It sucks because like this Downton Abbey has just like gone so far from what its original roots yeah, were. Agreed. Like I've watched, I've seen all of the show and the movies. I really don't understand why they keep making movies. Like even the last movie is like, why does this exist? Why is this new one going to exist? Why did they make two more seasons after uh, Matthew died in this show? <laughs> yeah, like, it's just really weird, it up. man. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I feel like um, it's... Uh, I don't know why they keep making these because yeah, the show just became such a parody of itself yeah. over time that it was like, it started out so strong and then became like this ridiculous, like, yeah. you know what it reminds me of a lot is, um, uh, when I was in high school and I was watching like Grey's Anatomy, like yeah, that started off as that. like an interesting drama comedy 
hospital show and then became a show where people are getting like icicled in the face <laughs> yeah. and like every episode is like a there's a bomb in the hospital like it became Exa- like well the that's most- what you remember that one time i was watching and like <laughs> the dude's ulcer exploding spurts blood all over the place and i was like oh my god like what is happening <laughs> it was very weird <laughs> it's like this has gone too far <laughs> Um, but I'm sure people who like this show in the last movie will go see this. And I guess that gets props for authentic period costumes. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I I will not watch pay money to see it. We'll see if I ever watch it. If it's free. I I could not be less interested. Yeah. I don't, I just give it up. It's time to let it go. No more talking Downton. <laughs> well, let's start talking Downton. Well, let's talk about another. Let's let's alternate the good and the bad. I think, and let's okay. talk about one that we saw. It wasn't on the Northman, but we saw it like the day before, and that is Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I am excited for Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Which I don't know the date that it comes out because Letterbox doesn't post. But um, oh wait, maybe it does under details. No, it doesn't. Uh, the director is Halina Rain Rain Rajin. Huh? Yes. Um, this is not a safe space is the tagline Uh, in an isolated family mansion a group of rich 20 somethings decides to play bodies 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 a game where one of them is secretly a killer while the rest try to escape things take a turn for the worse when real bodies start turning up setting off a paranoid and dangerous chain of events Um, it has a bunch of people in it that we like right Rachel Sennott from Shiva Baby, mm-hmm. Lee Pace from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> from sure. Halt and Catch Fire. Yeah. Lovely Pace. He should be on succession because he's like seven feet tall. Uh, Pete Davidson, no thank you. He's my like least favorite. I'm sure this lady is perfectly fine. I guess we've seen her in the Hunger Games movie, but I, I would even recognize Maria Baklava. Her name is crazy. Amandla instead of Amanda. <laughs> Amandla. Uh, uh, who is Maria Bakalova? She's uh, from Borat. Oh, yeah. Huh. <laughs> huh. I didn't recognize her in there. I, don't, I guess she's one of the girls. Yeah. Um, I I think it's going to be like, ugh, I'm hoping it's not turning into a bling ring situation and it could be a spring breaker situation. It looks very, it reminds me a lot of, it reminds me of spring breakers meets the new Texas chainsaw. Like yeah. this, this looks like it's going, I, fingers crossed. It looks like it's going to do what Texas Chainsaw wanted to do, which is make a movie that uh, makes fun of a bunch of this, of like current PC uh, liberal stuff. Yeah. Which I am totally fine with getting made fun yeah. of. Yeah. But I also hope they didn't like put all the best lines in the trailer. Maybe the trailer's like, very <laughs> funny. She's like, some girl gets shot. And it's like, why did you shoot me? Or is like, why are you silencing me? It's yeah. Like, <laughs> just all this. It's very like, I'm feeling terms. very triggered. Yeah. And like, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's very like liberal snowflake kind of <laughs> jokey stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to see Lee Pace in like a spring breakers esque role. I hope creepy he's older like man older dating beach bum dude girl. hanging out with a bunch of young girls. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it looks really funny. It looks clever. I hope it's cool. Yeah. I have high hopes for it. I'm excited. A24 doesn't put out a lot of bad movies, I don't think. Like, we've only seen... There's forgettable ones, but nothing really bad. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. So that's bodies, bodies, bodies. on... 
<sighs> Even IMDb is hiding it now. I know. I don't know why they make it. Well, probably because this says August fifth. That seems really that far does seem away. Like a long time from now for a trailer to have just come out. I don't know about that IMDb. <laughs> so next up, uh, you pick one. Uh, I didn't really one. see this one. So oh, Top okay. Gun Maverick. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, okay. I don't know why we even talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I ran to the restroom. Neither so of us have even seen Top Gun. I saw Top Gun and I hated it. I it's stupid. It. <laughs> I don't understand what this movie's about. It's like there's a bunch of young like Top Guns. I don't <laughs> top know. Guns. A bunch of young uh, fighter pilots. <laughs> a bunch of young fighter pilots, and they're like, "We're the best at what we do. Who's gonna be able to train teach us?" And they're like, "You son of a bitch. We're gonna bring you back in." Uh, does does uh, Val Kilmer die in Top Gun? I don't think so. Okay. I guess he died in between these movies because then they're the whole thing is like, oh, why are they going to bring him back in? He got uh, what's his character? Stupid Ice Man. Ice Man. <laughs> he got Ice Man killed or something like that. I don't know. This looks like it's just Tom, <laughs> a bunch of people sitting in fake um, fighter jets. Yeah, going like whoa. That's basically like, what the first one is. It it's looks, so annoying. Yeah, it looks ridiculous. I mean, I have zero connect. I've never seen the first one. I don't know what the appeal is. This I one, saw it and I don't get the appeal. Hasn't this movie been delayed like five years? Yes. Wasn't this supposed to come out like a long time ago? It comes out this year, May 27th. But yeah, I think it's been delayed like three times. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get the appeal whatsoever. It's strange. I guess just... Tom, like even there's not really like action it's just you're it's just flying really planes. fast yeah. and narrowly missing things yeah. like which there's it, not much else which is especially <laughs> uninteresting now because it's just all cg like there's nothing well i think tom cruise actually flies i don't think he flies up an f-16 i think he probably planes does cost like uh, like uh, like a hundred million dollars he has each. funding of scientology i don't think so <laughs> i'm pretty sure he flies all of this yeah i, I doubt it <laughs> uh yeah it looks terrible and i'm couldn't be less Okay, first so. trivia. The World War II P-51 Mustang thing in this movie is actually Tom Cruise's own airplane, him being an accomplished pilot in real life. Okay, Mustang, sure. I, that, that doesn't surprise <laughs> me, but there's no way they're letting anybody, any actor fly a Tom Cruise's jet. involvement in this movie is predicated on the condition that real aircraft be used in real aerial sequences, not CGI. Well, no, you're making that up. No, I'm reading it. None of that. There are no green screen or CGI aerial shots in this film. Well, that makes it a little bit more impressive because <laughs> it doesn't seem. But doesn't still, look real. it's just flying a plane around. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who cares? Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> there are top guns running around. <laughs> let's talk about Doctor Strange because I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, so Doctor Strange, multiverse of madness. Uh, directed if it doesn't by, have hot dog fingers, I'm not seeing it. <laughs> okay. Uh, directed by none other than Sam Haremi. And this comes out like really Very soon. soon yeah. May 6th this week. Uh, like, yeah, it'll be out maybe by the time this episode comes out. Um, so that's super exciting. We're definitely going to be talking about that on our next monthly episode. Yeah. Because um, this is, is this the first... Marvel movie post Endgame that we've seen or that we've been excited about? I have no idea. I feel like there's, I mean, there's been all the TV show stuff. I don't know. Um, but this, uh, we saw Spider Man's. Oh, yeah. So Spider Man was good. But um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one because it seems like. And Shang-Chi. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, we rewatched. <laughs> Anyways, um, this seems to be 
at least it's touted as like a return to horror form for Sam Raimi. I hope so. Uh, I mean, the trailers, I think the trailer is very good. I'm going to see it no matter what, but I'm just not holding out for like evil dead and the Marvel universe. Yeah, no, (laughs) but I like, I like Dr. Strange in the Marvel movies. Um, it's funny, like, I remember really, really liking the first one. We need to rewatch it. Yeah, we do need to watch it. But then, like, ASAP, nobody actually. ever talks about it. Yeah, well, I think it's kind of, like, it's just okay. But he, I think he works much better in concert with, like, a bunch of the other stuff. Like, he's an interesting character in the universe with other characters. Yeah. Where this movie seems to play on that. Like, there's, like, a, obviously a multiverse, and there's an evil Doctor Strange, and, um, uh, uh, Maybe Charles Xavier is involved. Says Patrick Stewart. Also, just saw Julian Hiller or Hilliard. I swear to God, I heard that he was not playing Professor X, and people were pissed that they would do that. But I guess he is. Yeah. Um, but oh, uh, Green oh, Grass cool. Kid is in it. Haley Atwell's playing Captain Carter. So, like the, the yeah. alternate version of Captain America where it's her. Uh, Julian Hill. Oh, that's not. That's ex- I just said. I'm sorry, I missed it. The Greener Grass Kid, our man, Julian Hilliard. I'm sorry. Who is he playing? <laughs> Billy, Billy Maximoff. Oh, that's one. Oh, yeah, duh, because he was one of Scarlet. Oh. Um, yeah, I still don't so like much. Scarlet Witch, though. Yeah, she's kind of lame. WandaVision yeah. was fine, but I don't need more of that. WandaVision was fine at the best. Yeah. At best. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, we don't need to have watched. Um, any of the TV shows because <laughs> we have not watched any of the TV shows. Um, Probably WandaVision, but we watched it. So. I would say there's a fair chance that we should have watched um, Loki before this movie, but I ain't, that it probably isn't going to happen. So we'll see. Yeah. I am going to be excited to see Bruce Campbell pop up though. Yeah. And I'll start screaming. I'm kind of tired of Bruce Campbell. No, I love him. I love him too, but he doesn't need to have a cameo in every little thing. Yes, he thing. does. Remember how funny is it all the Spider-Man when he yeah, pops up? Yeah, that was up? 20 years ago. And it's going to be great when he pops up in here. She says so. <laughs> um, Who are you? <laughs> Michael Stuhlbarg again. Love that man. Anyway, um, <laughs> we don't need to go through everybody. <laughs> I think we do. Uh, yeah, anyways, I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about this movie. I'm, I'm glad it's coming out soon. Between this and the new Thor movie, I'm hoping we get some exciting um atypical marvel movies yeah um yeah what's next the one and only jurassic world dominion is it the one and only or is it just the third time they've made this dumb movie yeah the third so we only saw the first one and we'll never yeah, see we didn't any see of fallen these. kingdom because it looks so awful. four years after the destruction of isla nublar dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world this fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet <laughs> they now share with history's most fearsome creatures What's in a new era <laughs> man this movie makes me so <laughs> mad because it's like if it wasn't part of the jurassic world franchise <laughs> If this, if somehow Steven Spielberg had made this, this movie where dinosaurs covered the whole earth and where the original characters from Jurassic Park, if he had made this movie in like 2002, I would have lost my mind. But now it's just like trying to have their cake and eat it too, in which both parts are terrible. But Harper, there's going to be velociraptors in Italy. Mm-hmm. Italy. <laughs> it's just like all the Jurassic World stuff. And they're going to be bigger. Super dumb. <laughs> like these movies are super dumb. And then now they're trying to like woo me back into it by having the original three 
from Jurassic Park in it. Where I just they can't believe they signed on to it. They must get I'm so sure much it money. It must just be a huge paycheck. This it's is like, be. they probably get like a hundred million wouldn't even come each. back for Jurassic Park 3. Yeah. You know, that was like, and I guarantee they're only going to be in it for like 10 minutes. Well, and all they're going to do is repeat stuff they did in the other yeah. movies. That's all they do in the trailer is repeat lines and phrases and things that they did in the original movie. Yep. Yeah, this is so stupid. I'm, also, I'm, we hate Chris Pratt. God, I hope this is the last <laughs> one of these movies and they can just let this... It makes me so sad that like Jurassic Park is still one of my all-time favorite movies and that and even even Lost World is not great, but it has some fun stuff. And I could say the same thing about three, like even farther down the line. Like it's not great, but it is still still a Jurassic Park movie. These Jurassic World movies are so stupid, and it kills me that they've made this, they've ruined this franchise for me. Yeah. That that's all I can think about is these like stupid sequels of Chris Pratt training Velociraptors. <laughs> it's so dumb. It really is. And there's going to be so much CGI. It's like the complete opposite of the first amazing, the first two, three. All three are the better than these. Oh, Jazz Part 3 <laughs> is so much better. It's like, use real shit, please. <laughs> so when does this come out? Like soonish, I hope. So I we never know. have to Who see cares? the trailer again. June yeah, right. 10th. And then we'll never look at it <sighs> ever again. Yeah. One day, one day, this fran- that franchise is going to be dead. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about another good one. Your turn. Let's talk about Nope. Nope, nope, nope. So Nope is Jordan Peele, written and directed. Um, what's it going to be about? It's like, we don't really know what it's going to be about. No. It's just definitely a sci-fi alien-ish feels. Yes. Uh, no, it's always super exciting when a new one of his movies, like a trailer comes out. It was like us came out on Christmas day, the trailer. And we're like, this looks so cool, but I have no idea what it is. Yeah. (laughs) And this is the same way where it's like, seems like it's some kind of alien thing. And it takes place on a farm where this black family owns like a horse ranch. They train horses for Hollywood movies. Yeah. Um, and it just looks crazy and strange. Yeah. Um, and it stars Daniel Kalua, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Young, Michael Winecott. I feel like there's Keith David is listed. Really? I didn't know mm. that. That's cool. Uh, don't recognize many other people. I hope he's a voice of an alien. He's, he's he doesn't have a character <laughs> name on Letterboxd yet. Because we don't know what it's really about. Yeah. <laughs> Her Mau Mau is coughing. She's so uh, excited for this somebody's, movie. Somebody's review on Letterboxd, I mean, not a review, but like a comment. It says, I really hope this film is about an alien invasion and not like a racist storm or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be funny. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's alien. Though. I really thought I saw alien in the trailer. No, like the, the top that, of a head. I could be wrong. Like a big old weird looking head. <laughs> You could be right, but I don't remember. I just remember somebody has an Earth Band t-shirt, and that's amazing yeah. in the movie. Uh, yeah, super excited for this. And this comes out, I want to say July, or is it June? It was like June I think it's 20, June. July 22nd. July, okay. Bummer. So, well, That's nope. pretty soon. I'm excited for that. All right, let's do another one that we're not quite as excited about. Yeah, I don't know if this one's going to be bad or... I don't know, Elvis, Elvis. Uh, by Laz, Baz, Laz Berman. Laz Ber- 
wear sunscreen. My name Baz is Laz Lerman. So it's basically just a biopic of Elvis's whole life. But for some reason, Tom Hanks has this weird accent and he's it's kind of like about him discovering Elvis, I guess, as his like manager. We are just two lost souls. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's Tom Hanks. Uh, Austin Butler plays Elvis and I think he actually sings so that's why I'm like Burr! yeah <laughs> I'm, I might give it a chance but like Baz Luhrmann movies they can go any direction so I don't know it's gonna be colorful at least and I'm sure it'd be fun it looks to watch. good yeah. like production wise but yeah I think it would be fun um and I mostly like Elvis songs I know you're not yeah. crazy about I mean he's um, fine it's just not my thing uh, I liked I liked the Carpenter Kurt Russell Elvis movie yeah slash miniseries. The only thing I the trailer makes it seem like they're gonna try and push this like political thing like Elvis cared about uh, JFK and MLK being assassinated when it's like did he though like maybe that's the part I mean I well, don't know and, he could have been and they're an obviously advocate, pushing that like yeah. his influences are all like black yeah re, you know gospel revival stuff which is maybe true but also like stolen well yeah <laughs> like, that's like probably true but yeah it's appropriation <laughs> like so yeah I don't know. But, so um, we'll see yeah it looks okay it's not not really not for me for sure but um yeah i don't think it looks terrible oh it has david winham in it who's that faramir <laughs> oh which is funny because he we, we were, were talking just, about it, him being a moulin rouge so we i guess just, he works that's interesting i wonder if he's australian that would explain a lot yeah, and is this the one where Tom Hanks had COVID, or was that a different one? Uh, that because it was like in Australia. I yeah, thought it must have been. It must have been. Unless you just went to Australia and made a bunch That's of movies. That's way too big of a coincidence <laughs> to be working with an Australian director. And yeah, not to have been the one. So I'm on the fence. I will probably see it. I don't know if I'll just wait for it to stream though. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. And last, we've got. <laughs> no, we didn't just have a stroke. We're talking about men. Aren't we? Men. 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 Directed by Galax Arland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a Arland. <laughs> yeah. Alex Garland's new movie. Starring. Starring only two people. Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. Yeah. Rory Kinnear plays men. Oh, he's like, missiles. Missiles. <laughs> <laughs> Mustn't take the apples. Mustn't take that. Mustn't take fruit. I'm just joking. So we have no idea what this is about. It sounds like we just lost our minds if you haven't seen the trailer for this movie. What haunts you will find you. So a woman, she like goes to Airbnb in this little old English town because her husband has killed himself. She doesn't know why. And then for some reason, this whole town is played by Rory Kinnear. Correct. And she like sees this weird tunnel and she goes, ah, into the tunnel. <laughs> and then some Rory Kinnear nude dude follows her out yes. and is like well, stalking her maybe. If it's like every other Alex Garland movie uh, <laughs> slash TV show, a trailer could never possibly capture what it's actually about. Well, yeah, we're not going to know way. until it's over what um, it's about. <laughs> so I'm super excited about this because I think I've really liked pretty much everything he's done. I mean, we like, I mean, he wrote a bunch of good stuff. Um, and like Dread and I think he wrote Sunshine, maybe 28 Days Later too. Annihilation. Uh, but yeah, he directed Ex Machina, Annihilation, Devs. Um, is there another one in there or is it just those? 
Mm. Uh, but all three of those I think are amazing. So I'm pretty excited for men. <laughs> I wonder if they just had a Roy Creator play everybody because of COVID and they're Possible. like, oh, we can't. We'll that's just not, make him. That's not a bad <laughs> how Weaved it into the story. Yeah. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm sure it's about, you know, how creepy men are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I always kind of, I don't, I didn't think about it until the, we saw the trailer for the first time. It was like, yeah, oh yeah, Ex Machina is a pretty, a kind of a feminist movie in a lot of ways. So, you know, maybe there's, this seems like it's going to have things. a lot of religious stuff in it because maybe. it's like the forbidden fruit, but then like the, uh, the thing that you put your hand in and it judges you if you're lying or not. So oh, yeah. I feel like there's going to be a lot of like What's deadly sins kind of Man. going on. Yeah. Um, but this is Marla. <laughs> <laughs> but we like, yeah, when we saw, saw this, I don't remember if it was this movie or everything everywhere, but when the title came up, it was like, man, everyone started chuckling in the yeah. audience. Well, because the trail it ends with like, who are, or like, why are you, or I don't know what she says, but it's yeah. like, men is like the answer to why the question. Why are you following, or like, why won't you leave me alone, or something? Yeah. Who are you? It's men. Men. Yeah. So that comes out. That's pretty soon. May 20th. Damn. So may we get Doctor Strange and men. Movies are back. Yes. In a big way. What is Nicole Kidman's line? It feels good. Somehow heartbreak (laughs) feels good in a place like this. (laughs) We come to the movies. Sound you can feel. God, that commercial is so awful. We should just use it in between as our, as our bumper, (laughs) our intro music. All right. So that, concludes trailer talk (laughs) (laughs) um but that's it for this episode don't forget you can always see a list of all the movies we talked about on our letterbox you can also follow us on twitter at spice podcast and let us know what you watched this month or what trailers you have seen that you are excited about and we will see you soon on another episode of splice Splice. wait say it like men Splice, splice, do, yeah, there, there.